0: All right, and welcome back, everybody, to the latest installment of the Metal Oasis podcast with me, your host, Adam, and my just simple co-host, uh, Orion. Say hello, simple everybody. Simple
1: co-host. Every every week, he used to give me a warm intro and like positive reinforcement and talk about how good I looked, and I just I feel like the spark is gone. I don't know what happened. Used to treat you're, me better. You're dead to
0: me. That's why. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And I'm trying to move on, but I'm stuck with you, so. Too bad. Too bad. Yes, we're like uh, two peas in a pod, as they would say. So, uh, we (laughs) got a good good fun episode for us today. Uh, We are venturing into your side of the world in terms of your metal journey. And today, what do we have for us?
1: Today, we have 2005's Camelot, the Black Halo, which is a. Just well, we'll get into this more as we chat about it, but just a real pillar of the power metal scene, and you'll soon see why.
0: Well, I'm definitely excited to get into it. I will uh give full disclosure ahead of time, um, just as the Apex by Unleashed Archers was for you. This is a you know, blind. A blind listen, a first reaction to this album. I hate to say it in terms of Camelot because they are such a large band, or should be a, a huge band, with a lot of albums and a huge deep catalog, and all I know about them is the name. So this will definitely be fun to listen to and kind of review and definitely, you know, kind of see what your side of the world was like during that apex review. But on top of that, we also believe it or not, have yet another Guest here on the Metal Oasis podcast, and Orion, oh, I'm gonna let you introduce him.
1: Let's just go, go into for the. I forgot album my review. name. I don't <laughs> actually know who this homeless wizard is that appeared in our Zoom lobby. Um, I'm pretty sure he's the tavern wench from a level one D and D campaign. Oh well, no! <laughs> but he somehow found his way here. This is my brother Chris. Say hello, hello. Chris. Hello, adventurers. Welcome to the power metal band that is Camelot. I will take you along this journey. So that's pretty much exactly what we were expecting. Uh, Good God. <laughs> here he is. And we're excited to have him. So why don't you say hi to all the all the folks at home listening like you and uh, tell us about how you got here and, and you, you know, kind of what led you to the, to Camelot. Camelot. Oh, like the whole Camelot. journey, not just to the Zoom call. All right, yeah, not just to the Zoom call, which I assume was from your <laughs> toilet directly to your uh, yeah. Garage. That's where I'm. That's where yes, I'm, yeah.
0: it was. Uh, step one: unzipped live from the
1: toilet. The acoustics two, are better
0: in here. Step two: take off pants, um, and then arrive to death. Oh, pants I knew was. I
1: missed a step. A step. Well, pants it happens to the best off. of yeah. us. Um. Well, not to talk for thousands, because I'm a little more elderly. Uh, my mental journey is long and full of uh, strange twists and turns. Um, it began. A long time ago, when I purchased a cassette tape called We Sold Our Souls for Rock and Roll by Black Sabbath, and I listened to that shit over and over again. I had to, otherwise I'd have to rewind it using a pencil, like it's just, it was back in those days um from then so, so uh yeah that was one and it was around the time this was a i guess when would it be like mid 90s uh so you were 40 same, when i was three, 45 44? years old yeah okay. mm-hmm, before i got my discount at um you know at wendy's but anyway um the um the other t- music going on at that time there was a lot of like techno heavy stuff like prodigy yeah. and then like uh what was it the uh like matrix and all that came out a few years later the other album that also shaped the way i You know, found more music was the Spawn album, dude, from the movie. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) where they had a bunch of techno bands and metal bands that like did like these collaborations. Like they had, um, well, they Kirk Hammett did a song. Kirk Hammett did a song on it. There was a Metallica remix on that too. Incubus was on that of all things. And from if yeah, no, uh, from there I uh, went to a lot of like the more popular radio metal of that time period i guess the new metal thing coal chamber you know all that stuff
2: creed. uh
1: and the creed i i will i have no problem saying <laughs> i enjoyed me some creed i have all their cds somewhere <laughs> every
0: episode there. they keep showing their own <laughs> no face. problem
1: yeah scott stabs beautiful face every yeah, episode we, but we anyway except here with arms wide open anytime <laughs> a creed reference is made right <laughs> Um, But then after that, once I started to become more uh, interested in the music, I like to see where the roots of them are. So then I started going back after the Metallica, obviously, there was a bunch of Metallica. Then I got really heavily into Slayer and then quite a bit that got me into some of the punk music stuff like Black Flag and those kind of things. Um, But then after getting into the big four thrash, then I got more into power metal. uh, And then that was more like when I was ending high school, going into college. And I'm a music major. And there's a lot of, you know, like um, music theater nerds that I hung out with. And this was kind of like a bridge where I'm like, oh, well, some of these metal bands have, you know, these type of operatic, uh, like sort of uh, huge works that have these concept albums. And I w- started really getting into that. And I would say probably one of my top, top oh, that's a hard, top 10 albums might be this Black Halo album by Camelot. It is a powerhouse, but it's a sort of a niche powerhouse. It's not it's not your traditional metal or metalcore stuff. It, it's a it's a power metal band, a power metal album, but with a little more of a modern twist to it. I think that's why that's what caused this album to be more prominent in the forefront, kind of gain them a lot of popularity. I would argue that this is probably their best release in their whole catalog. I, I it's the they went through a lot of um, personnel changes, and Did I it? think this. This particular group of musicians is the pinnacle of where they were. Yeah, I would have to to echo that. I would say this is my favorite Camelot album. I'll talk more about why. Um, but, you know, kind of like within flames where there's only like a section of the discography that I really get into. And I was talking to Adam about this earlier. After Ghost Opera, I stopped listening to, to Camelot. I haven't listened to them since Ghost Opera. That was the last album of theirs I listened to. I think Roy Khan did. Mm-hmm. Did he do one more he album did, with them? He did uh, Poetry the Damned. I think it was called. Yeah. That was one after uh, Poetry Ghost for Opera. the Poison,
0: Perfect. Poetry oh, for the you, Poison. Wikipedia. My
1: mistake. Sorry, I'm just doing it up. Yeah. You so fool. Poetry the Poison. Yeah, I know. Correct. I'm sorry. Uh, but yeah, after that you they got idiot. Their, their new singer. Uh, coincidentally, he was one of the backup singers for Camelot during one yeah. of their tours. Yeah, yeah. He's. Uh, I mean, he's he good over. too. I just, I don't know. I think it's. For me, what happened was, and this is something that has been I think we chatted about in an earlier episode, when Ghost Opera came out, I think that's about the end of my power metal like fandom, like when Mm -hmm. I was listening to, you know, Symphony X and Camelot and and stuff like that around the time that Ghost Opera came out, which I think is like 2007, um, when I was graduating high school is about when I kind of stepped out of the power metal arena. And kind of started going back more to like just like thrash and death metal and stuff like that. But this album is one of the ones I can go back to like anytime. Yeah, I agree. It is definitely a, a heavy hitter. It's, it's such a it's a, such a solid album, in my opinion, from beginning to end. From top to bottom. Top to bottom. Front to back. <laughs> but um, I think my issue with the newer and I can't remember his name. You'll have to edit it in there. But um, the, the newer singer was a really good con mimic. Like he he could do con really well, especially when he's singing uh, Roy Khan's songs, like songs from Black Halo. But when he was writing his own stuff, it didn't have the same like oomph, creativity to it. I think okay. it was just sounded. But that's just you know my opinion. He was just a, a mimic. Yeah, I haven't listened to the new stuff. Um, again, not for any like I wasn't like, well, Roy's out, so I'll stop listening to Camelot. I just pretty much stopped listening to that genre when that switch happened, and so even more so for me, I was like, yeah, well, like I don't really have a reason to listen to these guys anymore then.
0: I mean, Chris, I'm definitely happy to have you on here. Um, It's definitely well, going to be fun to get your take on definitely a good, solid album you know, being to our big metal fan. Um, this is definitely a big album for you. So, To get your take on that is going to be interesting and definitely to see how the three of us all align in terms of comparisons or what this actually means to us will be definitely a, a fun conversation toward the later end of this episode. Uh, but before we actually venture into that, let us... Take a step back into last week's episode about the great, great album "Route to Remain" by In Flames. O'Ryan, have you gotten any feedback out there?
1: Yeah, um, just everyone reminding me that my opinions were right, Scholz was also right, uh, and that you were wrong. But I mean, at this point, like, do we? I don't even think we need to recap that. I think at that point, it's just kind of you know, just just background background noise no i'm really curious about some of these downloads we're getting particularly in the kingdom of sweden if that's you in flames out there we want to know if that's you
0: <laughs> yes so uh chris so i've been you know on our you know how we do our podcast i get a glimpse of what um you know, what areas of the country and actually the world that we're getting downloads from and every day since last week our downloads in Sweden have kicked up one by one. And we are up to six downloads in the kingdom of Sweden in Stockholm. So I swear to God, if this is in flames, it's pretty awesome.
1: Um, that would be awesome. Hopefully it's not Tommy Karavik, who apparently is the new singer of Camelot, who comes from Sweden. So everything I said about you being a Roy Kahn, I apologize. He's <laughs> a you son of bitch. I know you do next week episode. I don't, know if they, um, I don't think I'm making this worse. got making him sound real. Yeah I, <laughs> yeah,
0: I don't think I've I, ever met a Swedish person that sounds like that.
1: I don't think. How will, many Swedish people have people? you met?
0: Like one that he or she sounded like that. I, actually, I was probably drunk when I met her. So
1: I don't know. Mm. Mm.
0: She was blonde. Does that count? I mean, it I means she's think probably from the from only Sweden.
1: qualification. <laughs> <laughs> it is.
0: <laughs> she
1: had a pack of horse meatballs. Does that count? That's getting a lot closer. Okay, now we need, Was to, that now IKEA? We need to pause for the yeah. <laughs> Wait, they don't have horse meatballs at IKEA. They have Yes, meatballs. they do. They're, they're, made, horse of yes, they're not not made, made of horses.
0: they're not. I swear to God, if you listen, oh my God.
1: To the if Ikea podcast. The- <laughs> is that
0: what you were gonna say? No. Oh, I will we'll subscribe tell to you. that
1: instead. Okay, so so far we have three podcasts we need to launch. This one, which is already in place. The '90s cartoon podcast and now the IKEA meatball podcast. Oh, and the mm-hmm. Don't Wake Daddy podcast. It's no. four podcasts through that. Screw no, that. oh
0: Ryan. So there is a song called "Val Hallelujah" by the band called Nana War of. Steel. You showed
1: me that before, I think.
0: Yeah, and you loved it. And it was pretty great. <laughs> they talk about horse meatballs from I I IKEA, think... oh, okay. and that Jesus is a carpenter. Or excuse me, Santa Claus is a carpenter, just like yeah. Jesus. You know he was uh no not Santa it was Odin was
1: <laughs> Chris was you need ma- to you need to listen to this song uh, you might not even like a plug in a little audio f- little audio from that here in this edit it's called Valhalla. Valhalla. hallelujah Valhalu- Valhalu- I will never <laughs> yes. I can't forget that no it's, it's permanently it's ingrained about, in my mind now yes
0: and it's about Odin who is like Jesus and he's a carpenter who is building shelves with Mjolnir or like Santa says, Claus the hammer of Thor it's It's a great fucking song. That sounds badass.
1: I'm all about meatballs and carpentry.
0: (laughs) And there's a guy with purple hair. I don't know what the fuck that means. Uh, Nonetheless, uh, I don't know. There's there's a guy on the Spotify Spotify picture. He's got purple hair. I I don't know. Uh, But nonetheless, so we keep getting listeners from Sweden. This is pretty awesome, uh, especially considering that, you know, two months ago, we had people just in here in you know, Virginia listening to us and to people across the you know ocean and also the one random person in India that l- downloaded a podcast and also in Canada in the Great White North and on the west coast in California it's it's just pretty cool to see that we're actually are getting you know a very broad you know reach. audience yeah, yeah buddy. it's awesome like i would love to again hear from these people that are listening to us cuz it's pretty cool um i'd like to hear their stories and their you know feedback on our episodes but um As always, we do have a strongly worded email from the longtime listener, Anthony.
1: Yes! Best part of the episode. Uh,
0: And he writes, Finally, I agree with Adam. Email over. (laughs) That (laughs) sounds like a lie. He says, Finally, I agree with Adam's assessment that Into Eternity's album just gets to be too much. And you know, the Scattered Ratches is a very heavy album. It can definitely just keep punching you in the dick until you get tired of it. He says, Great album, but fucking hell, it's a whole lot. Now that I phrased him, I've got to cut him down <laughs> <laughs> by saying, Forever and Always sucks. <laughs> <Trip>. <laughs> and I agree with Aaron from last week's episode that Blood My Valentine just isn't good. So fuck you, Anthony. Oh, there you go. <laughs> um, I, he says, I will be honest and say that hearing Adam's awful opinions while showering is just strange
1: oh
0: I don't, fuck that I don't think i'd want to hear
1: your voice in the shower actually that happened to me oh. like a week ago let <laughs> me says, back up a little bit
0: <laughs> no, no, no. he says oh he's taking a shower while listening to me That's okay i understand now uh, yeah. but it does motivate him to get in and out of the shower quickly to conserve water so that's good for you buddy <laughs> that's um, good he says i'm going to go ahead and sign up for the lord of the rings weekend watch-a-thon yes just so i can be there to berate adam when he starts yapping
1: yeah true uh, Oh but, yeah, I remember hearing that episode. How you hadn't seen Lord of the Rings, and I literally looked at my phone and said, "The fuck? How did you? How <laughs> I was that?" Here's the thing, and I've said this I think every episode since. Right? I never don't go know away. how it's fucking possible purely from like a proxy Right, exactly a proximity thing. Have you never been in like a hotel lobby where they're like play, or, like a hotel room? About or... this,
0: but it's on silent. I gotta read the subtitles. I want to be engrossed in the film.
1: Have you tried watching it? <laughs>
0: I, I again, as I said last time, I get about an hour into the fellowship, and I'm like, I can't take this shit, in
1: eternal. It just doesn't make sense. Here's what we're it gonna do. It. It's blowing my mind, especially with such a big power metal, like that. You're really into like fantasy metal and stuff like that. Here's what we're gonna do. Yeah, and and whenever I talk to anyone about Adam, and I, they ask me what's Adam like, I'm like, it's like Gimli. He you are kind of like Gimli. Gimli. You're kind of like Gimli. You're like, well, hmm. you're more like, like, well. I don't know. Or I'll think about Gibley it. Slash who are Boromir? you talking to
0: me about? That's what I You're to
1: the dwarf, the dwarf with the axes. But, but gets that's shot you a lot of credit. <laughs> I don't know I have to think about this a little bit more. I'll think of something. Anyway, does Gimli have like a disformed, malnourished family member? <laughs> because if he does, that might be
0: <laughs> slightly God, better. There, guys. Anyway, Anthony goes on to say, but listening to these album, uh, excuse me, listening to these episodes has really made me think how great it would be to hear. Tim Henson from Polyphia plays solos on these albums. He's just too damn good. Fuck Tim Henson. That douchebag. I fucking hate him. (laughs) Does he have a
1: call to protest the hero in this email as well? Uh, Actually, (laughs) I have it in my notes right here. Anthony. I actually like the album Fortress by protest the hero. So Adam, sorry. Sorry. I Don't actually, ever apologize to Adam again. I That's owed, not the soul I of this podcast. Fortress. I Fortress Fortress. is now. Now, I, like I the song will admit, red,
0: but the, I just, I can't,
1: their okay. singer does sound like someone with severe ADHD having a seizure. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> mad at it.
0: Anyway, Anthony finishes off and says, to finish this email, I want to suggest Misery Signal's album, Controller, as my pick of the week. It's the perfect metalcore album, and I hope to hear a future episode dedicated to it. Until next time, anthony and i will say to anthony i did and he will be happy to hear this i did take a listen to the previous suggestion blessed by a broken heart oh yeah, first album was absolute trash um the back musically great um but the vocals (laughs) and the mixture Uh, and the blend it's awful it needs a remaster needs remixing the vocals are just too heavy and it sounds like he's a little off key but the second album, that sophomore effort is, it's pretty fucking solid. It's 80s metal, just over-the-top solos, hooky choruses, good strong vocals that are mixed in perfectly in the uh, in the overall mix. So I will say thank you, Anthony. That, again, that's a big facet of this podcast is to be exposed to bands that we have not ever heard of. So I do thank you for exposing me to Blessed by a Broken Heart. So if you haven't listened to them, gang, Definitely check them out if you like, if you like, you know, 80s, you know, metal, hair metal, you know, Blessed by a Broken Heart. Uh, Their sophomore effort, which is Feel the Power. Great fucking album. Um, But nonetheless, so that is, you know, our lovely email from Anthony. Thank you again, buddy, for that. Always love hearing from you, I guess. Um, Oh, what an awesome (laughs) picture. Yeah, right. It's the Blessed by a Broken Heart, Feel the Power. Yes. Yeah.
1: Speaking of glam metal, did you guys see the whole Amazon Motley Crue debacle? No. Go on. So Amazon has these little like uh they're like what do you call them? Documentary, kind of like things on bands, and they had a um one on Motley Crue. Yeah, and, but the problem was the picture they used was actually Steel Panther. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that was yes. up there for like two days, and someone's like, uh, that's not Motley Crue. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. Whoops. Amazing.
0: <laughs> That is fantastic.
1: I still haven't seen seen Steel Panther, dude. We're dude, going. They are. They are amazing. Live. We got to go. Chris, how many times have you seen them? Three and a half times. What was the, the half time it that mean? I picked your ass up? That's when I that's when you picked me up because I was bombing outside. I <laughs> think you still owe me mm, twelve. I owe you a lot. That. That. Uh, yes, I do. I do. I'm still I mad. Think at you I've seen that. them five times,
0: which is they just get fun every, every time. And They're I did so see-
1: effortlessly good.
0: Right. The best part was, I think, at the National, there was a girl that I went to high school with who I saw like 10 years later who got up on stage and showed her tits. It was pretty cool. So, nice. Yeah. I was like, ha, ah, nice.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Were you next on the stage?
0: Yes. Good. I was actually on the stage. For, you
1: did know, you take your shirt off?
0: No, I did not. Did oh. you take your pants off? Yes. Okay. Nice. I, well, I, actually, fun. we weren't wearing pants. It was literally these pantsless in the back. Oh, that's back. just make it easier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. So anyway, all right. Yeah, so anyway, <laughs> so again, I want to give a shout out. You know, thank you. Everybody that has been listening to our podcast. It definitely makes uh, Ryan and myself feel good that yes. we are, you know, getting some feedback out there from you know the people that do listen to us and are enjoying the metal journey thus far. Uh, we do have a lot of stuff, uh, good stuff coming down the pipe. I think that everyone's gonna be interested in uh, next week should be fun. Actually, next coming weeks will be a lot of fun. So keep staying tuned for that. Let us again jump right back into the episode at hand. And as I've stated previously, this Camelot, um, the Black Halo Camelot, the band I am not too familiar with, which is again sad because I do like power metal, I do like fantasy type lyrics. But as I said to Orion earlier in the week while I was, you know, doing my homework and listening to the Black Halo, I, I feel bad for you know. As time goes on, I think we're at a really interesting time in history when it comes to music, especially heavy metal, that, you know, the three of us are pretty lucky and fortunate to be born, you know, in the 90s and the late 80s to where that we were early 80s. 80s,
1: early 80s. oh god how old are you oh my hips don't
0: lie because they don't work oh fuck I don't (laughs) know you're that old Jesus Christ (laughs) his beard is growing longer and wispier by the minute (laughs) I was trying to be polite fuck Um,
1: well he's remember he bought bought that Black Sabbath album when he was 42 and that album came out 30 years ago Mm -hmm. no more than 30, way more than 30 years ago (laughs) holy shit Chris is 90
0: anyway (laughs) what I was trying to say is that we are you know I think in the mid 2000s, we were very fortunate enough to see a nice, a weird blend of the, what they call the nostalgia acts from the 70s, still on tour. But also weave in the fact that you have a lot of up and coming bands from the late 90s, mid 2000s that are on their, you know, at the latest, their fourth or fifth albums. But you're also seeing bands like Black Sabbath still on tour. Like, I mean, look at Ozfest, right? you've got a huge just convergence of, you know, generations hitting at one time, whereas, and we're able to experience that. Now that we've gotten, you know, 20 years later in all this, you know, there's music. I mean, going back to the sixties, I mean, you've got what, six decades of music that is just going to be, you know, thrown into someone's face and saying, I want to get into music, or uh, heavy metal and hard rock. It's like, where do you begin? You know, if you look at our parents, you know, in the 60s and 70s, you had Elvis and stuff coming from the 30s and 40s. There wasn't that much going on. And, you know, my dad, being a product of the 80s, he likes to throw in my face how much he saw like Def Leppard, Motley Crue and, and Poison and Rat and Kiss and all these other bands. And I was like, well, it's awesome. You see them in their prime. Where now we're having to see them on their tail end, you know, as they're going their way out. So, and I made the the connections like, you know, when I'm in high school, you know, Iron Maiden, for example, in the mid 2000s, they've come out with, um, what was the album called? Uh, it was like the Benjamin Button song. Uh, oh
1: um the the military one i was thinking of brave Memorial, of life it's and not death. that one there yeah, it is yeah it was yep. a matter
0: of life and death <clears> right so that was you know the album that came out to so actually really got me introduced to iron maiden believe it or not it was a matter of life and death Benjamin was, Button song. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Um, but Get out. you know but being in 06 is like i mean i'd heard the trooper fear of the right. dark you know all the singles but in terms of an album you know, it's like, oh, well, this is an album that they I know a band is releasing for the first time. You look at it, it's like, oh, it was the, the reincarnation of Benjamin Brieg was a the song, <laughs> yeah. right? But if you look at Iron Maiden from that times that that time frame, like they've got like twenty albums going back. Like it's just it's a very it's a very large undertaking for a a new fan to try and get involved in. Iron Maiden, Killers, Number of the Bees, Peace of Mind, Power Slave. Yep, Power somewhere Slave and time.
1: Somewhere in Time. You're good, you've done it. You've Iron Maidened. You've, you've Iron Maidened. Seventh
0: Son, no prayer for, uh, no oh, that's prayer a good one for too. the dying. Damn. You're right. There right. are a lot of good ones. Yeah, Fear of the Dark, <laughs> X Factor, Virtual. Dance of Pray Death, of the world. one that has
1: like the not so great cover. Yeah, that's yeah. the one that looks like it was made in like a poser 3D 1999 software. <laughs> it looks like the loading screen of like a 1994 mm-hmm. choose your own adventure game, right? Exactly. Yeah.
0: All right, so you got Brave New World, Dance of Death, and that's then
1: it. Dance of Death, yeah,
0: Matter of Life, So that has it one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. So you had 14 albums. So if in 06, if I want to get into Iron Maiden, I've got to listen to 14 albums. That's a very I mean,
1: large-looking album. Yeah, there's no. eras of, of Iron Maiden, too, though, because if you go back to the, you know, the Diodano era, or you go to the Blaze era, like... All right,
0: all right, well, uh, the, the, now we're doing short and curly. So the, the, the Blaze huh? era was two albums, right? you had Diodano for Iron, the very first Iron Maiden, right? So it's... And Killers. So that's... Yeah, you know, too. There. But what I'm saying is, like, you know, when my my whole thing is, like, it is such a very large undertaking it's like there is a lot of albums to get into to really chew on and really appreciate every individual track and that way you're not just listening to you know the like the the very best of you know compilation CDs where all you're getting are like the singles and the the tracks that either the band or the record label wants to put out there you you're not going to get you know the more hidden tracks or the you know, the the deep cuts as they say right. on an album until you actually listen to said album. So my thing was like listening to Camelot was I look at them like, good God, they have a ton of albums in, you know, if we look at like my metal journey, right. I mean, in 2006, 2007, 2008, they've got nine albums. It's a very big pill to try and swallow. It's like, I want to get into this band.
1: It's, so, yeah, it's an intimidating amount of material to digest.
0: Yeah, so it's like, I just, you know, I, I'll i hear the singles and they come out, you know, if I can, if they can hook me in with their current singer and their current band and I follow them from, you know, poetry for the poison to current and I stay with them. Maybe I'll, then I, get, I can have time to go back. I've got an invested interest in them, but it was just, you know, there was nothing that, got me really hooked into Camelot I mean the artwork I liked but it was just I was too I was very intimidated that's the very good word to get into this band because it's just a lot of albums to try and get into and show the I think the appropriate appreciation for all the hard work that they've been able to do for a band that's been around for 25 years
1: you know and I think that's years. something that, uh, you know, in, in this generation, uh, that people have this sort of almost gatekeeping. Like, you need to be an expert of this band or you need to know so many albums or so much material um, to call yourself a fan, you know. But, you know, when I was younger and I was wondering, I, I didn't know shit about Slayer. You give me South of Heaven on cassette. Now I like Slayer. You know, it wasn't it was just yep. you, you, you can digest maybe one album a month as but now when you have like Spotify Pandora and everything you have this whole like influx of information that you're expected to process and I feel like it's a different mentality yeah no I I definitely agree I think it's I thought you were raising your hand Adam I think you <laughs> well you might have been um <laughs> no I was pausing for a chip break sorry oh, chip oh, yes. break. Um, yeah no I, I definitely agree I mean I think a lot of people are like oh you need to know the entire discography of a band to like them and it's like, there's a lot of bands whose whole discography not only do I like not like or whatever, I just haven't listened to like a lot. Of, I mean, Camelot's one of them. Mm-hmm. I love Black Halo and Ghost Opera Epica. I like Karma. I like, but I haven't heard either of them all that many times. Ah, See, I like I like Karma a whole lot, but I don't really care for Ghost Opera. So I mean, oh, really? I, mean I think it's just, we're coming from different angles of it. That's true. Um, the ghost other thing opera really... sounded more like Black Halo to me, which is probably why I liked it. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. Um, the thing I really like about your guys podcast, which I haven't been in this mindset in a while is listening to an album completely as one whole piece yes. of work rather yes. than individual tracks, because I'm so used to in that. Like I mentioned, nowadays, I'm just like, hey, you know, what do you think I'd like? And I, I've discovered a lot of bands I do like. But have I really paid as much attention to their whole piece of work as opposed yeah. to just liking a few songs? And it changes things like <clears throat> so in the bullet episode, I mean, again, Screaming Fiber is where my my liking of that band ends. Uh, and that is my favorite album for them by far. Yeah, it's same. And so when it's like a just pick a song and I make a joke about it, if you were to just add, if you had ask me before that episode, like, what's your favorite bold song? I probably would have said Waking the Demon. Easy answer. Um, but listening to the full album again, I'm like, no, Deliver Us from Evil is actually my favorite song on this album when I listen to like the whole journey. Um, now, I, I think it's hard depending on the album, like how much you've listened to it and how much nostalgia you have for it. Um, I think some of my rankings on this have changed over the years, which has probably been my favorite thing of this so far is you you look at an album and songs that you've heard a billion times and you think you know what your favorite is. And then you sit down and listen to the whole album and that transforms a little bit.
0: Well, and I look at it in terms of let me go into Chris's point about listening to albums is that I try to look at it from the eyes of the band in the sense that, they are putting out a piece of a body of work, a new album. Like this is what they are feeling at that time. And there are always going to be songs that will never get played live. It's literally written once and never played again, but they wrote the song. Now, granted is a, is it a complete filler track? Like we need one more song for the album. Let's just throw something together. Absolutely. But I think for, for concept albums, at least like the black halo, like, every song is very it's very pointed like it has to fit on the album for a reason so I think you need to listen to it for that just like with apex uh from unleashed the archers and even to an extent you know the scattering batches by actually the last three albums we've done apex scattering batches and remain I feel like they were all very pointed in a sense like there is an overarching theme that they are trying to discuss and put into music. So I, I look at it from a musician standpoint. It's like, I want you to listen to what we're doing at this time to experience what we are feeling and what we are going through. So, you know, I, I mean, being a kid and only like when iTunes first came about only buying the 99 cent single and not buying the whole album. Now I've I have a greater appreciation because there are so many deep cuts on thousands of albums that if fans would just give, you know, they weren't just, you know, you know, face fans in the sense of they listen to just the singles, which, I, you know, I could kind of consider my, maybe, myself maybe a face fan of In Flames. Like, I only know certain tracks by the band because, again, their catalog is just so deep and expansive that I just don't have the time to really get into them. Of course, their sounds have changed. But, you know, Trivium, for example, like, I've got all their albums, and I know what the deep, cut, the deep cuts are and the deep tracks that are good. Uh, and I uh, wish they would play those live cuz I am a uh, I am a fan of that band. So uh, so I'm glad that you are definitely taking away what we are trying to do with the whole podcast as well as while we dive into our metal journey and expand on you know listening to albums that first like that shaped our metal taste here in the beginning is that it's also impacting you as a fan of the podcast of saying well let me go back and do the same thing and say hey You know, maybe there are some tracks that as I listen to them, you know, 10 years later, it's like, oh, look at that hook in the song. I never really picked up on it because, you know, being it's 10 years later, you just you've got a different mindset on how to how to actually listen to music. So, I mean, I think for me with this album, The Black Halo, it's definitely interesting because I do have to put on a very focused hat on how I listen to an album because it's we're trying to discuss it and review it because it's definitely an impact on Orion. Well, I want, I've got to be knowledgeable and have a, have some type of emotional experience with each song as opposed to just like, Oh, yep. I like it. You know, I, I've got to be able to feel and kind of figure out what you've got for, you know, 20 years of listening experience on me for this. So this to be, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun, mm-hmm. but I'm glad you are picking up what we're putting down. So to say, yeah. on I also Jones's appreciate podcast. you
1: guys having me on here because
0: I love this album. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a good it, one. It,
1: it wasn't my suggestion. I know. It was mine. When <laughs> I told Adam to stop being a little bitch. No, it was about it get- No, it was about
0: inviting your brother one. So. Because I was scared <laughs> that he might have a wizard hat and in his mustache the entire time. Oh, I thing.
1: got I, Yeah, <laughs> this will be great for your uh, audio listeners. <laughs> I say every week, there are so many funny visual things that happen on this podcast that you'll now get a glimpse behind the curtain. For example, you don't get to see Adam's nipple piercings that often, um, but tonight you get a chance. Yeah, I did not know they were chained together. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. If, if I pull it as it a flush of toilet, well, what's weird is, is a ring that connects somebody and he makes a joke all the time about being the one ring. And then I'm like, Adam, yeah, oh, you've, right. you yeah, you've never even seen one of the poser. rings. You can't pull what a, on that, and shit, yeah, yeah. I just, I don't get it. I mean, it's really what a poser move. Adam is flicking it right now, and getting uncomfortable. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that is awesome!
1: Ooh. All right. Well, speaking of nipple rings and being pantsless, let's talk about this album
0: finally all right so we've you know kind of gone through a little back
1: all right i gotta go well (laughs) well, (laughs) it's almost metamusal time so actually well never mind we'll talk about how old we are later um well actually you know to to kick it off to get into this album chris do you want to give maybe just like a quick synopsis of like how this connects to epica and kind of like the sure overall, yeah i have a 12 page yeah. paper ready for you so can you I'll, uh, give us the spark notes version yes the spark notes version all right actually so, can you
0: give us the spark notes version of the spark notes that make it yes i can give it very
1: yes very yeah so this is a it's power um, metal done it's power metal band we did it let's go all right so no, this is a uh concept album as you mentioned before uh it is the second half of uh the faust uh epic that was written by Goethe, and and now you've lost all your german subscribers because i can't pronounce that guy's name properly but i tried um the story so far just to make it easy is there's this guy ariel who's this very um uh sort of stuck up individual who's trying to learn the secrets of the universe like the 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 reason for living right the the secrets of life in general so this chris
0: can we just call him orion from now one
1: we can yeah, yeah I'll face. be the yeah, star of this I'll be the star <laughs> of this play so this fallen angel Mephisto goes to him and basically says yep I'll tell you all this or you know I'll, I'll help you I'll give you everything you need as long as I can have your soul that cool and uh, Ariel's like yep that's fine but you can only have it if I experience a joy so sublime that I want to live forever and that was all of Epica all at once so that's the whole first C- cd so as we move okay. through this, Chris might need to give us a little like, you know, D&D narrative of like track three. Here's what's happening. Are <laughs> you uh, levels up? Yeah. <laughs> Level three. Um, as well, we kind of go through this.
0: Well, to a quick backtrack, Chris, uh, Chris, are you very familiar with the actual play itself?
1: Now, I, I will be honest. I have not read Faust. Okay. So, I am not familiar with the play. And I also know they took a lot of liberties with the. So, it's based on it, but they've also renamed a lot of the characters. It's like inspired by. In, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Right. So, yeah. And, that, well, and again, you
0: know, that's what I was, you know, as I was stating earlier before we then came on and went live, was that I was kind of pissed at Ryan for picking this because I was like, it's the second half of a concept album. You but you don't had.
1: need to know the story to right. enjoy the sound. and And well, really that's right. also. But,
0: but I think if you pick up on. If you know where Epica left off going into this, it may, I don't know, you may understand the album a little better. But nonetheless, so it's just I think it's definitely again a very cool, um, idea for the concept album mm-hmm. for this. So I, I will definitely rely heavily on Chris for, as the dungeon master, <laughs> to guide us through this. Metal Journey of now, the black I think what Ori humor. did
1: was was pretty good because when I first listened to it, I did not know that it was part of a concept album. I think it's an album that stands on its own. The songs are good enough that you don't need to know that part of the story, but yeah. knowing oh. it opens up another set of layers that you like oh. a blooming onion that you may yeah. not have known before. Whoa. So it, it's it's you can still enjoy it without knowing the story. Yeah, I'm actually pretty hungry for a blooming onion now. I know. Now I, no, I shouldn't have said we'll that hit down. up Texas Roadhouse soon, buddy.
0: Mm. No, but yeah, but I will say like the. As a first time listener, you know, first, you know, reflection on this, like it definitely is a a standalone album. I think if you you were to take out the interludes in it, it definitely makes it more of a streamlined album. I think the interludes definitely help out in understanding, you know, part two of Faust. Um, So it's, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it was definitely an interesting album to get through. It's not your, you know, straightforward, classic, you know, just, you know, power metal album. Like, you know, for me, when I think of power metal, I think, you know, Sabaton. I also think of like Power Wolf, like, you know, they have the overarching themes, but each song is not connected on the previous or it's not, it, it's weighted in the album, but it's not, you know, dependent on other songs within to understand the story. So, but I think as a first time listener, this was definitely an enjoyable listen. Um, there are some songs I think kind of, you know, middle and sludge through. But Little I think bit. it's also, I think that's also anytime you get exposed to an album for the first time, you're doing that first run through, you're going to have songs that are just going to either punch you in the dick and hook you right in, or it's going to take like a slow burn, and be like, okay, like, I, I've got to listen. Like, I, there's some reason why I don't just like this right away. Like, yeah. And mm-hmm. some that's things, fair. you know, you're just like, well, I just, yep, don't like it. Just doesn't yep. do anything for me. But five years later, it's like, oh, Now I get it. So and maybe that will happen to me down the road. Who knows? But I'm definitely excited to further listen to more of Camelot after this album. So get into it. The very first thing, uh, Chris, as we always like to do is look at the album artwork. Mm -hmm. What are your what's your take on that overall?
1: Uh, So I really like the uh, the artwork for this. Um, I don't know if you're how to describe it to you. It's it's a woman half submerged in, in the water in uh, a portrait sort of on a horizontal plane with a uh, crown of thorns sort of surrounding her, um, which it's a really cool... It has the Camelot logo, which is so badass. It's a lot less... This is kind of where I think they changed their image a little bit. It's a lot less blatantly power metal yeah. uh, in terms of the album presentation, and I think their art direction and songwriting sort of put them... at At that point, it was more modern. It was a little less... Dungeons and dragons let's say, compared to at least, like, the Epica, Epica. artwork, for sure. <laughs> Which looks that's like a great- magic card. <laughs> it does. Uh, I would say um, it's it's a pretty cool... I I think that's supposed to be Marguerite. I don't know if anyone really cares about the story. I think it's supposed to be Marguerite coming out of the water there, and the, of course, the black halo is symbolized by the crown of thorns. I, I think it's a pretty cool um, concept there. Yeah. It's cool. It's dark. Um, it's 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 good-looking, but it's just, like, I don't know. It's clean. Like Epica, there's a lot going on there, and it makes me feel like I'm on the character selection screen of like a D right. and D hack slash. Um, it's like the unicorns on those boxes you see at like the trinket stores. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's a lot. Uh, uh, no, I will definitely, Halo, I'll definitely, I'll, I'll cool.
0: definitely post both photos but this just good for just and giggles. But good god, like the man's got arms for wings.
1: It's a lot happening there.
0: And it's. Where's a lot. Whereas it is a lot. Black Halo. It's definitely. It's also very. I think reminiscent of the time for yeah you know being an album that was released in two thousand five. I think people are moving away from the over the top fantasy stuff in a sense of trying to get like just a more like just realistic, dark like a more realistic dark tone. Yeah. And, and I do yeah. like that, you know, it's it is her, like you said, on a horizontal plane. At first I thought her face was sideways, but now that I actually look at it, it's her face half submerged in water and it's the reflection of her face. Mm-hmm. You know, is actually rounding out the face with of course the the crown of thorns on the right hand side of the album cover. Um, it, it's cool. Like, it, it just you know, yeah. I, if I would have saw this in a record store, you know, years and years ago, it's like, oh, what's this? Sure, definitely not? has that
1: like dark fantasy gothicness to it. Probably around the same time as like that underworld movie series. Like, I kind of think oh, so. Oh it...
0: my god, do we have to go on an underworld podcast now, Ryan? <laughs> yes, <'Cause laughs> that's I the next one. Love that.
1: That's the next Uh, one.
0: Yes. All right. So from here on out, I'm going to actually take a back seat and I'm going to let Orion take the reins of the episode here as he is more familiar with this album. Take it away. What is track one?
1: All right. So to kick off the album and Chris, I'm going to kind of, you know, ping pong with you um, story wise. So starting off the album is March of Mephisto featuring Shagrath from... Demu Borger. Demu Burger. that's right. Um, I call him Demon Burger, but yeah. Demon Burger, Shagrats from Demon Burger. So this is March of Mephisto. Mephisto what is happening as we kick this album album off from a narrative perspective Chris what's happening All right. so in this first track this is when uh, Mephisto is uh, just sort of having complete control over Ariel and Ariel's trying to fight back but uh, trying to save his soul but uh, Mephisto has taken the reins he's like yeah you dumb bitch that soul's mine Ariel is Mephisto's bitch end of notes That'll work. All right. So let's let's bust out some thoughts. Let's kick it off with you this time, Chris. Thoughts on March of Mephisto. Uh, So this is definitely the big single from the album. They made a really cool music video for it and everything. They have uh, Shagrath, like you mentioned, from Doom and Borgir, um, which I think is a really cool addition because he's not in the first album. He's not in uh, Epica. Uh, So to have this sort of demonic... I mean, who else? but the friggin' Black Metal King, right? Uh, at coming in to be Mephisto's like demonic side, where Khan is still... Khan is also playing Ariel and Mephisto, Mephisto. in the store. Yep. Yep. Uh, so it's kind of cool. And it, I'm going to use an Adam uh, keyword here with this dichotomy between the two different sort of aspects of uh, Mephisto, where he has his sort of seductive side for power and then this demonic like... Blood gorging demon, Uh, and it's kind of cool, especially in the music video to see Khan and Shagaroth kind of mesh together. That I think it's a really cool. It is cool uh, image. Yeah, Uh, musically, it's a kind of a divergent track from what Camelot has put out in the past. It kind of almost moves away from their general power metal sound to something that's a little more heavy, a little like more kind of has a groove to it. I think. The the only qualm musically I have with it, besides I, I'm not gonna go into super technical guitar stuff because I'm sure Billy would be the only one who cares. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> um in the original track, they have a badass keyboard solo uh that's uh from uh what's his name? Jens Johansson from Stradivarius and yeah, also yeah, yeah. Rainbow and it kicks dicks, all of them. And kicks the, the, dicks. But and the radio edit, it's they the same it, thing. Right? They just got rid of that awesome solo. Yeah. So I have a hit or miss because I've heard it like you know a lot both ways. And
0: ugh, without keyboard that solo, fucking awesome.
1: Yeah, that keyboard solo is awesome. Without it, it does sludge a smidge. Yep. Yep. Well, here actually, Adam, I'm gonna kick it to you this time for this one, um, and then I'll give my thoughts after. And we'll kind of yeah. we'll, we'll shape we'll, we'll we'll switch up the order. Well, yeah, you know, as we get through this, but uh, so yeah, I will say I, I, I know do what you're agree
0: gonna say a lot about what Chris said. Like, it's definitely like the first time I turn into one, it's got a very slow build up into actually getting into the song, but it does have a good like bobbin head groove to it. But it's when I think power metal, this is not the song I think of. Like, it's just so power metal to me is fast and it's just it's fast, it's blistering. Like, this is very, like, it's like really the Black Hill. This is power metal, okay, but. <laughs> that keyboard solo. I was I actually listening to this morning. And I was like, I hope we talk about this because this is ridiculous. Like, there's not a guitar solo. It's a keyboard solo. And it's just it's all over the place. And it, it's pretty wild. Um, but, but I do think that looking back, like it's it, it definitely, I think, sets the tone for what is about to come.
1: That's a really good way to put it. I think, yeah, that's you're like getting on the roller coaster and you're like (coughs) being brought up the track right now. Exactly. Um, But no, I think you I think you really captured. it. It's interesting when you think of a power metal song. It's so funny to say, like, Black Halo is is such a strong offering in the power metal arena. And a lot of people who like metal would would probably say like, yeah, Black Halo, like that's one of the best metal al- or bl- our best power metal albums out there. And then I you think start it spans genres, genres too. It does. It doesn't because a lot of people that weren't into power metal do like this album. Yeah. And I think that's why this album also holds up for me is like, don't get me wrong, still love Blind Guardian still Really like Symphony X, but it's hard for me to go back to some like straight up power metal albums and give them a full listen. This one I can. So yeah, for anyways, for March of Mephisto. I mean, it's such a cool album opener. Um, It just really has like this dark atmospheric feel to it. It's super cool. I think it works really well because of where it's placed. I think is one of the things that works really well for the song. I think if this were like track seven or eight or something, it may not have had the same kind of impact. Skipper, I don't know if I'd skip it, but it definitely wouldn't be. I mean, as if we're cool if, if we're
0: coming off a like, very heavy fast and it goes into this like minute long slow intro,
1: yeah, that's fair. It needs and then, to be. And then it, and then it yeah. gets
0: you into a yeah. you know, slow trudging. Everybody else has used the term middling type of mm-hmm. song. Yeah. If it wasn't the intro track, it would be a very middling song.
1: Yeah, that's it's fair, but because that's it's fair.
0: the intro track, it's like it's setting the tone for what is coming.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. So, um, it's a great opener, but when they play it live, they do it at the end, and you're that, like, yeah. "Oh, here it is." It, it yeah, it's, it, it's, yeah, that's a really good point actually, because I, I don't know, it, it feels different live than than on the album. It has like an even more intense, like dark, like oh shit. Like we're yeah. about to go work for Mephisto now, and it's uh, it's cool. It, it, this out al- yeah. this song is, I don't know. I try not to give this the like treatment of a song I've heard a billion times, but this one still holds up for me. But I do wonder would it hold up as much if this were in the middle of the album? Yeah. But yeah. Anyways, cool. all right. Well, let's hop into what is um, arguably the most popular track on the album. When the lights are down, don't show us your nipples, Adam. <laughs> i don't know. When the lights are down, uh, Mr. Dungeon Master, what is happening to our hero at this point Ah, in the story? So at this point in the story... Ariel is losing faith and to push him over the edge. Mephisto uh, manifests this beautiful woman named Marguerite, who looks a lot and sounds a lot like Helena, his love from the first album, who dies. uh, And he doesn't know this at the time, but with his unborn child, very tragic. And so in this uh, in this song, uh, he seduces Marguerite and they and they just bang. and That's what they do when the lights are down. I'll kick this one off and then I'll pass it to Adam this time. So uh when the lights are down, I mean it's funny. We start with the first song. We're like power metal. I don't know. And then you get to when the lights are down and it's just like, oh yeah, like no, this is this, yeah, power metal for sure. It's got that like quick little gallop in it. It's a fun song. I can see why this song is so immensely popular. It's very digestible and very listenable. I really like when the lights are down. I think this is the song that people aside from possibly March of Mephisto and another one which we'll get to momentarily, this is probably probably the most popular one, actually, is when the lights are down. Now, is it my favorite? Time will tell. The answer still is no, though, actually. I'm just gonna go ahead and say it. It's not my favorite Campbellot song. It, it's it's really cool. It's famous for a reason. I just I think there's more songs on this album that can offer a little more depth, but it's still it's still good, but um, yeah, that's why I wanted to go first because surprisingly, this isn't my absolute favorite. And I think for most people, it is. So, Adam, what do you think?
0: So coming off of the March of P- Mephisto, you know, it has the that slow just guitar riff. I was like, okay, okay, okay. And then the double bass comes in. I was like, okay, this is power metal. Okay. And Roy Khan's vocals, once I hits it, in, it just rides the, again, that bass and drum. I When it's vocals, bass and drum, I fucking love that kind of stuff. And I think it's it, because of how fast the drums are driving the song. It's just like it's pushing Roy Khan, and it's it's pushing the how fast the vocals are being sung. I, I like the song a lot, but it it almost has like that. It's like slow power metal, like even though that the the drums and guitars are they're fast, like not, But again, the way he's singing on top of a fast beat behind him, like it's just. It, it, it keeps me wanting more, and it's almost like it takes my breath away a little bit because it's it's like I should be going faster, but Roy Khan's saying like no, slow down. Like we don't, <laughs> we're not there yet because we're not at the top of the hill yet in terms of this roller coaster coming off from Marchmont of Vista. So I think it's again, I do like it. The the overall just like the, the groove of the song is fun, and then it gets into an interlude and then another you know keyboard solo in the end. It's, you know, I I think it's a great follow-up track. I can see why it is very um, very well listened to. But it's my favorite. Time to tell.
1: Chris. All right. Well, uh, I think this is kind of like balls to the wall Camelot. Like, when you listen to March of Mephisto after listening to Epica, you're like, huh. Is this Camelot? And then you listen to the second track. Of, oh, it's Camelot. Like it, <laughs> it, it kind of brings you back to that familiar territory. Sure. And it's kind of like Adam said, it's like, is it power metal? And you 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 rev the lawnmower and the bass drum starts going and never stops. Like it's just that like blistering, relentless drumming. The other thing that's kind of interesting about Camelot, in my opinion, is Thomas Youngblood, their guitarist, who has a fantastic dragon slayer. What a great power. I metal know. Is, um, he in my opinion, is not a super technical player. He's good, but his playing isn't like amazing. His songwriting is amazing. Mm -hmm. And this group of musicians together, when they do things like when the lights are down, it's like to me, it's transcendent. It's a it's an incredible just conglomeration of things. Uh, Casey Grillo, um, their drummer, also (laughs) made his own snare drum, like crafted the shell himself and played it on this tour because he's such a badass, uh, but my my favorite thing, again, musically, about this particular track is how Thomas Youngblood, and at this point, it's, uh, um, oh goodness, Jens Johansson from Stradivarius on keyboard, they have this discussion where they solo back and forth, and they play little, like, one of them plays a little phrase, and you know, one answers back and the yeah. sort of musical discussion, and the things that when when their keyboard solo does it, and then uh, Thomas Youngblood cop- sort of like does his uh, chromatic lines on the guitar, it's like you're bringing out something in Thomas Youngblood that I haven't heard before. I don't. I, I assume he's playing the solos on this part, uh, but the it just it's from a musical standpoint. Uh, the guitarist in me loves the song and just loves that whole bridge section. So that's why I love it. That's fair, and I'm gonna go ahead and say. Like as we're as when we get a little bit further down, this is one of the hardest albums we've had so far, at least for me on this podcast to rank. This is probably the hardest one. So when I say like, I don't love this as much as other ones. This song, like, it would like if I were to stack up when the lights are down against a lot of the other songs we reviewed. When the lights are down would beat a lot of the songs we've we've walked through. But on this album for but me, not it's not
0: forever and always.
1: So that's <laughs> that that song can always just just burn in hell forever. Um. But no, it's it's tough. It's tough. But yeah, when the lights are down, is is really great. Um, for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean the, I think the keyboards definitely it brings out the best of the guitar player on this on that song. I'd yeah, I'd agree completely. That's really it, cool. It it makes the guitars better and stronger for it, so it's awesome. So it's like, oh shit, I can't be
1: shown up. Let me learn those notes.
0: Uh, not by some... a fucking guitar. Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> all right. It's like some right. dream
1: theater shit. Um the next track, buddy. Oh boy, am I ready for The Haunting, parentheses, Somewhere, somewhere in Time.
3: time. Maybe the sound of your voice made me believe that, that you were her. Just like the river disturbs my inner peace.
1: go ahead now ah (laughs) (laughs) so at this point hold on let
0: ryan introduce you
1: fuck hey chris give us the narratives (laughs) what's happening in the haunting ah so (laughs) ah so in the haunting marguerite and um i almost said roy khan but (laughs) ariel (laughs) uh, at this point they realize or are uh Ariel realizes this is not Helena. And he mentions it during the lyrics that Hel- Helena is dead. Uh, but they both just I kind of they kind of just come to an agreement where they're like, we shouldn't have banged. Let's just both go our separate ways. And that's basically where, where this what the song is talking about. Yeah. OK. All right. So, Adam, thoughts on The Haunting Somewhere in Time?
0: God, I fucking love this song. God. I fucking love this song. It is. God, it is just classic power metal. And I, I hope that it, I can say it is a perfect example of power metal, especially with having the, you know, the featured vocals from Simone Simons from Epica. No, um, no relation, I believe, to the prior. There's, album a, there's a little relation. A little bit, uh, but. You know, this song is not as fast in terms of the time signature on it, but it has the drive, the hook, and the that fucking chorus. Like you hear Roy Khan singing, and then you get like a harmony coming in from Simone. It is just so beautiful, and (laughs) I'm gonna say it now. I listened to this song so many times and my wife was like, are you still reviewing that album with Orion? I'm like, yeah. She's like, can you find another song? I I just want to make sure I'm not missing any details about certain songs. Hearing her vocals toward the end. So at first I, I, you know, when I was, Looking on Spotify, all it said was "The Haunting Somewhere in Time" featuring S, and I didn't know it was Simone. But until it gets about halfway in the song, and I hear her like hit her like more higher vocal range, I was like, "No shit, that's the singer from Epica." And I I, I pulled the whole thing. I was like, "Oh," and like she has such a great, great vocal, and she's a strong singer. And I would love to do a review by their band as well. Uh, I'd love to see them live because I bet she's awesome and phenomenal. But overall, the haunting it is a strong track. Like it's definitely single worthy, and I I would say it's better than when the lights go, are down. Um, it you know it's not as fast from the bass and drum standpoint, but it just has that driving stance in it. Key change in the end, you know, takes up a little step. And just that I, I love when they do male and female vocals, like a duet. And God, this this song just takes my fucking breath away. I fucking love, fucking love this song. It is, if there's any takeaway from Orion introducing me to the Black Halo, The Haunting. sign sealed and delivered. All
1: right, Chris, I'm going to pass it over to you. Okay, haunting. Uh, so yeah, uh, I actually, it's funny, Adam, I'm, I'm looking at my notes, and you've said, like, a lot of shit that I was going to say, yes. so well done. Um, first of all, uh, Simone Simmons, lead singer of Epica, n- actually named after the previous Camelot album. They got their name from it, and they were produced by the same producer.
0: Wait, Epica, so, the band, was...
1: Named after the Camelot album.
0: I had a feeling that was the case, that seems yeah. very... Uh...
1: They're in the same, like, uh, yeah, group of musician friends. And she was kind of an unknown singer at the time, uh, brought into this band to replace someone else. And then like, oh, you're fucking awesome. I guess you're in the band now. And so they made the band and then named it Epica based on uh, the previous album, uh, the previous Camelot album. Gotcha. Uh, Also, interestingly enough, (laughs) on the soap opera that is uh, Camelot, uh, Oliver uh, Palatoy, who's now their uh, keyboardist, was is her husband and he is now he joined camelot as the official member on this tour after the album was released so there's a lot of just connections made there but no one cares let's move on to the music wait wasn't (laughs) her husband I thought
0: her husband was a guitar player in epica
1: uh her she was dating the guitarist of epica Ah, when they first started
0: the long-haired brown guy
1: yeah Gotcha. But uh, she ended up marrying this keyboard player, who is now officially in well at 2005. At that point, and now officially added to um, the the band. So, Deep Cut, the guitarist from Epica and the keyboardist from Camelot actually had a duel where they each played a solo, and then she picked the keyboardist I from Camelot. I don't think that's true. Uh, it's, it's yeah, it's canon.
0: So what you tell me is that Simone is like Angela. From the office
1: against Dwight. And <laughs> yes. You're not wrong, but power metal. So that's the thought, only difference. Yes. Yeah, that's it. That's the only difference. Anyways, uh, so thoughts on the song, Chris. All right. So musically, it fucking rocks. It Next fucking track. rocks. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's an amazing duet. Uh, see, uh, Simone Simmons and Roy Khan together is, is it ridiculous. Simmons or Simons? It's Simmons. I, I personally think it is, but I mean, I'm wrong. There's only one M. There's only one in Adam. That's my only argument I have. Let's move on. So, uh, (laughs) yeah. So, um, uh, them together is amazing. Seeing them, I I haven't seen them live. I've seen uh, Camelot live, um, but I was watching some live videos of them performing this and them together is just like, they're so natural when it comes to vocalizing together. It's, it's unreal. It's like, they've been doing it. Even though that was like a, a video that came out right when the album did, it looked like they've been doing it all their lives. Like they're just so natural together. And, uh, I think the my favorite thing about this is they both realize, and I think a lot of people can relate to this sort of you met the wrong person at the wrong time kind of deal. Like this oh, whole love story of you're well, like, you know, I heard done that. Yeah. If somewhere in time, you know, it, it, if we had met under different circumstances, this could have worked out. But let's just move on. And so they go their separate ways, which is kind of heartbreaking. But it's 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 kind of cool to see both characters just sort of have that mature response to what goes on in this fantasy story. Um, and I also wrote down here that modulation for that last chorus, Adam, that that little uh, pop up of the step, super pop, like, you know, pop music trick, but it fucking works. Let me tell you. Think? Yeah. Everyone's hey, heart just say, it takes go me up.
0: Six to 12. You know yeah. Know
1: yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Six to midnight immediately. Yeah. Maybe but maybe yes, maybe I agree with everything you said. Awesome. <laughs> Are you always two minutes to midnight? Is always to the left? Yes, always, <laughs> always. You guys are a bunch of simpletons. The song sucks. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I was kidding. Uh, Adam, I loved doing that to Adam. He gets so upset. Sometimes I'm speaking the truth. I'm honest though. And he gets real mad. Um, I will say candidly, I haven't said this very often. I think the haunting is a masterpiece. I think that Woo! this this song is it's like fucking awesome. Yeah, and I don't agree with Adam. Very rarely will we agree on on things. In this instance, I will, and I think this song is a perfect example of you don't need like a crazy complex, like blisteringly fast, chock full of solos, like the Dragon Force treatment of being like super crazy over the top to have like an incredible song. Um, This song is. It's incredible. I don't think it's it's overly complicated or anything like that, but the, the vocals are phenomenal. I mean, yeah. I, I think especially when it comes to like a duet and things, I don't know that there's much better out there. Um, well, let me ask you this yeah. quick, quick right? What do you think?
0: How and actually you, Chris, do y'all think that this song would fare worse if it was just, just Roy Khan singing it?
1: I don't know if I don't think it wouldn't be the same It song. wouldn't have it, it wouldn't, wouldn't have the same, have the same effect. It, no. know what? Like it's a love story. It has that. I mean, the unique lyrics you need. The you lyrics, need to duet. Need, you yes. Need a duet. Yes. You knew, yes. You you absolutely need to do for this.
0: Well, yeah, I'm also thinking kind of like, you know, a day to remember is, you know, um, if it means a lot to you, like they'll perform it live. And it's just the male singer doing both parts. You know, do you think that if Roy Kahn sang both parts, do you well, think he doesn't, I've, or he yeah, didn't? I've
1: seen I've seen him live a couple of times and they ha- he has a choir with him. Yeah, a, a small choir like three to five <laughs> people. Uh, they they usually have a, a woman that comes out and sings it yeah. with him, And she was really good when we saw yeah, them at the Jacks. We I don't remember. I feel bad because I don't remember if if she was just, if she was from another band, no, at the I time, think she, or if she was, was just she one of like a touring back leg, touring singer. singer. Okay. Oh, well,
0: okay. well, that's good. At least they're at least performing the songs. Oh, yeah. Don't have no, a, they they
1: perform everything without like a, a vocal track or anything like that. Which yeah. means... Well
0: that's awesome that at least they're bringing on a female yeah. vocal because I feel like they, they would actually lose out a lot on yes. if it was just the male vocalist doing both sides of that coin. Right.
1: So yeah, and I think for me, interestingly enough, I think the music takes a back seat on this song. For me, it's yeah. all about the vocals. One hundred percent. Well, again, yeah. I would also argue that Camelot's never been a flashy band. Like, sure, you might be sure. power metal and you might be you might have these fast paced songs, but uh, never, except for you know when you have the friggin' guy from Stradivarius playing keyboard solos. But never have they been like you know crazy solos, blistering time or like really difficult time signatures. They've always just been solid songwriters. It's never yeah. been a a wanky band. Yep, <laughs> you know. Well, they yeah, exactly. And I think that's why for me personally this album still holds up is because it's just awesome songwriting. It's it's not like, hey, like this is this amazing solo that we can pull off now in two thousand five. It's like this is a well thought out, phenomenal album, which I don't want to get ahead of myself. We'll talk about this some more in a bit, but yeah, fucking the haunting. Certified yeah. banger. I think Put we all yeah, yeah, certified banger. Yeah. Bangerang. Right. Bangarang. Let's move on to Soul Society.
3: Does it matter to me if it all fades to black, if I'm born once again, and no one really is free,
4: how could I be condemned?
3: we the same in the concept of time.
1: All right. Tell us the tale of the Soul Society. Mm-hmm. Ah, yes. Yeah. So at this point, Ariel is sort of reflecting about all the pain he's inflicted on other people and where he went wrong when the, he meant the best. You know, the, the worst things are done with the best intentions. And so he's self-reflecting on the mistakes he's made on this two-album journey of which Adam's only taken part in half. Yeah, what a nerd. (laughs) Um Chris, why don't you kick us off this time? Thoughts on Soul Society. Uh my favorite aspect of uh, actually I saw Adam like doing some air drumming while he was he was jamming to this track. And I will say Casey Grillo is a fucking beast on drums. And the other thing is I was and this ties in your last episode. I've been watching the the DVD because I'm a thousand years old and there's a <laughs> there's a uh, oh, and the CD actually Wait, funny thing. Did you burn I have both it like, from a VHS? To no, the this DVD? is no, this is the actual DVD. I have all my Camelot shit in my hands. That's a laser year. desk, Chris there's a movie on here
0: <laughs> i bet you it's an hd dvd one of those old old ones it was, it, it's, it, it's, pre- it's actually in three
1: it's it's in letterbox but regardless okay. of which i was heading to the car today and i would pop the camelot album in for today's episode my my wife's like what the fuck's in your hand i'm like it's a cd she's like why i'm like because i want to listen to music and it's 1998 and i left <laughs> but anyway <laughs> no, I'm <divorced>. um, the <laughs> i only i don't I Only marry modern men uh, in the um, in the behind the scenes with Casey Grio He was showing it like his DVD collection for some reason. And he, he really likes Triple X with Vin Diesel. But he also picked what? up. I know I'm like, I'm like, he's like, look at my new 42 inch plasma TV because it's 2005 and it's amazing. And then he's like, I just got Triple X on DVD. I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Show me your drums. But then he held up. He just got that. Uh, what is it? The used and abused uh, in flames live DVD. Oh, and interesting! He's just, he's just going off at of like how much he liked that 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 uh, that DVD. But regardless of which, yeah, the drums are amazing. The choral vocals are really well rendered on this. Like there, there's a lot of uh, layered vocals on this track. That's all I really like about it. The rest of it feels a little Philly to me. I'll take the reins, you dumb bitch. The song's awesome. Um, can Girl, you dumb bitch. <laughs> I do get it though. Man, I just I, I I'm a sucker. I love Soul Society. The song is so good. I'm a big fan of this one. I don't know why. Just like the the jam, the drumming and even like the, the chorus, like the, the layered chorus with the, uh, you know, him in the background kind of singing over himself and stuff. I love Soul Society. It's 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 a power metal song for me that still has its its zest and flavor. Um, I tend to gravitate to the song a lot. I always have. I don't know why. And I even thought like maybe re-listening to it, this would drop a bit. Soul, si- Soul Society is still a certified banger for me. I still really, really like it. But yeah, um, it's it's cool. And I love the little like, like about three minutes in, the kind of like up and down guitar work thing that happens. And then when the chorus kicks back in at the end, it's just chef kiss. Awesome power metal song. Love this one. Adam, what do you think?
0: I I have these weird thoughts that I think I text you things and maybe it's just dreams of me texting you. I don't you dream about me a lot. But I had a dream that I texted you and I'm going back through all our text messages and all I see is, you know, Captain Planet, uh yep. <laughs> the Green Ranger from Power Rangers. Yep. Um Dumb and Dumber bullshit. That sounds about right. I'm pretty sure I just texted you and just said Soul Society makes my heart melt. Um And you respond to that, but I'm not seeing it anywhere in our text chain. But nonetheless, Soul Society makes my heart melt. This fucking song is awesome. Um, And (laughs) any of the listeners from last week's episode, it may be considered jawsome. It's pretty fantastic. Damn it. Fantastic. Oh, shit. Yes, it's it's, it's fantastic. It's jawsome. I think coming off of the haunting, it definitely keeps the party um, moving and it's power metal at its finest i think and as i've said before like my first run through it's like when i'm li- when i think i'm gonna listen to a power metal album this is an a track that is going to hook me in and say okay like this keeps the energy alive and it's awesome Roy Khan's vocals are excellent you got an excellent hook <laughs> the drums and bass are awesome and then you hit that slowdown. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's almost it, and you get like that. Just like what I think is very indicative of concept albums. It's like you think you're running down a straight line and then it just fucking hit you with a left wall. It's like, and we're taking a turn. And it's like, oh, shit. And the whole song changes. For a second.
1: Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> And so
0: it, it, then, the thing is, it, it it settles up and it ends where it's like where you begin and where you end are not what you expected from this song, which is what I love about. I, I think a concept album is that it's not just the you know intro, bridge, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, outro, boom, song over. It's you, you think what you're getting yourself into. Is one thing, and where you end up is another. So I, that's another thing why I love the song for that aspect alone is because it starts off just, you know, just a straightforward power metal song, and then it takes a left turn. It's awesome.
1: You know, now that you've said it, I didn't really put into perspective of its placement in the album and the fact that it does come after the haunting. or oh, Ryan, we does got his ass. does give it some. Let me also let me also mention this, sir. Uh, that. I said this is a filler in Camelot's The Black Halo. So it's still, like, way better than a lot of songs. That's <laughs> true. The last, and I think one of the other things, it, it you don't say this very often, but the ending of Soul Society, the last, like, 30 seconds is so fucking cool that it automatically yeah, stays. Like, the last, like, 30 seconds of the song make me want to just, like, ride into battle it's just yeah. so awesome so for all our listeners please
0: please we're only going to play about a minute maybe minute and a half clip of this song listen to the holes whole song to understand what the fuck we're talking about but it's the haunting's great it's a solid standalone track but the soul society
1: is Banger. kiss yeah does kiss. chef kiss you right in the black halo yeah. it does right in there um so good. the other thing is when you see this live and hear those sirens Oh, it's cool, dude! It's really you're cool. about to go nuts. Yeah, yeah, that is true. God, oh, I wish we could see Camelot with Roy Khan again. Mm, if not uh, happen. he's back in conception. But we'll yeah, move on. Yeah, I, I would see. I would see his new man. Anyways, uh, so the inter the ne- the interlude. Um...
0: No, no, so now we enter upon the first interlude of the
1: album. Do you have context for this interlude, Chris? Uh, in in a sense, it really just ties into the next track. Like it. It's basically he's in a church begging forgiveness. Okay. Like so it's not like you know it, it ties too much into the next one. Yeah. Um all right, all right. let's move into the next uh, the next track, Abandoned featuring Mari Youngblood.
3: plain and clean I recall once my ignorance was bliss Nightfall came like a serpent's
1: Happy. All right. Abandoned. What's happening here, Chris? So uh, Ariel is looking for answers to his question of uh, the meaning of life. And he turns to the church, uh, having been unsuccessful as other endeavors. So in the very first part, uh, he's lighting a candle and praying and uh, speaking in uh, Latin. Uh, and basically it translates to there's nothing new under the sun to the stars through the thorns. at first seek the kingdom of the God before war, remember death. And he also sounds like you know, the the most vocally talented priest of all time. So it's a little <laughs> <laughs> funny to hear this amazing vibrato coming from this Latin prayer. Uh, and then in abandon, he he's asking for forgiveness. And the really pretty thing at least for me in this is when uh, Helena, uh, Mary Youngblood, uh, Thomas Youngblood's wife, uh, comes in uh with her vocals. Because it's the first time she appears in the album. And in a lot of other Camelot albums before this, uh, Mary Youngblood's a lot more prominent. Well, why don't we just go ahead and have you give your thoughts on the song, Chris? And then okay, I'll, I'll keep go talking while everyone listens. Yeah. Uh <laughs> so um this song actually hit pretty hard for me, both in terms of uh it's not only the vocal content and the uh, sort of the message there, uh, not to dive deep into personal things, but I've had crises of faith before. And this sort of uh, song sort of resonates with me as some of you you mentioned some of your episodes, some songs just sort of hit you. And this does that in two ways. One, this, the content and two, it shows uh, Roy Khan's. Not, not only his vocal range, because he has like a three octave plus range. It's pretty ridiculous, but it's his control and his delivery. Uh, like he actually sounds pained and remorseful, even live when singing this song. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's not one of those like people that can hit a bazillion notes and just for the sake of hitting them, he hits them with, he hits him once more with feeling, like no matter what register of his voice he's singing in, the, there's pure emotion in it. Um, So that's my. I, I really like this song. It does have a little bit of a duet, it's a n- nowhere near "Somewhere in Time." That that I, I think it's a really uh, beautiful song. Big fan. Um, Adam, what do you think? So this is a ballad, and when it first
0: came on, and it had the slow, drawn-out orchestral intro. You know, Roy Khan comes in. I just i think for a first run through it's a skipper because again you think camelot power metal like i don't have time to listen to the soft ballad that is you know integral to any power metal band and i did skip it like three times
1: did you get to that last chorus though well Modal. but okay. once
0: I, so, but once I got through the rest of the album, like the faster tracks, right? It's like okay, I can appreciate the faster tracks. Let me sit back and go back to the songs that I know I skipped because they are slower. Like if I'm in the car ride, like I gotta tell to, to abandon. I need the haunting and soul society, and when the lights are down, like I need some kick, kick me in the dick songs. Like I'm not trying to cry on my way to work. Okay, yeah. so so I go back and listen to abandon and you know, this again, like being I'm thirty two years old, I don't have twenty years experience on listening to this like you do. But I love Roy's vocals on this. Like it's he definitely has a very I think this is very indicative of pretty much all power metal vocalists. Like you have to have a a range in where you can do these soft spoken vocals and then flip the switch into a very, like, just very, you know, full-chested, full diaphragm, belting out vocal to where you almost hit into, into your higher register. You need that. And he's got this. Like, like, this is not difficult. This is not hard for him. He's, like, pouring his emotions out on this. And, you know, it, it gets into the duet portion toward the end where it gets a little more, like, heavier with the you know guitars and drums and that classic you know power metal feel to it and he hits into a second register of his vocals you know it's in and, and as you've said Chris like I don't pick up on this yet because I have no experience with it I don't have the emotional connection with it but is it a good is a good emotional power metal song yes does it fit within the uh the concept yes Do I like it as a standalone track? No.
1: That's totally fair. That's fair. Uh, Again, Uh, this is
0: uh, to my point of view of coming into it two weeks ago, I, I just want balls to the wall, power metal and slowing it down ain't doing it for me, but I understand the concept. I know why it's there and I do appreciate why it's there, but I don't have the connection that you have to it, Chris, and and that's fine. Like, it's yeah. just, we're we're and, gonna have those discrepancies, but I will say that I do appreciate his vocals. I think those are very strong, and it's it's nice to be able to see that he's not a one trick pony. So not at
1: all. Uh, yep. and, you know, in in relation to that, and I totally agree. And and the other thing I was thinking is, what was it? however old I was when the album came out, I would completely disagree with most of the things I'm saying right now. Not just the album, my life choices. No, just kidding. But uh, well, yeah, so, that, too. You, that too. you couldn't
0: grow a mustache <laughs> like a damn wizard. dude.
1: I'm like, dude, one day you too will have facial hair. <laughs> <laughs> it takes about 30, 40 years. Anyway, um, the the other thing I think you'd enjoy about this too. I know it, it, it's the Filipino. Look at the good Ori. Anyway, I like moving on. chafe. Let's let's get back to the song. Back to the song. The the thing about Roy Khan is he definitely has operatic training, and you can really tell it in songs like this, where he's front and center and delivers that emotionally. Uh, the thing I uh, my favorite story about Roy Khan, which I was listening to an interview about him today, um, he was an opera singer, and they I know I'm a big nerd, and his opera teacher said, "Hey, you just joined this metal band, and you got to quit, or you got to quit that metal band, or you're going to ruin your vocal cords." And he's like. Fuck you! I choose metal, so he quit the opera and 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 continued with Camelot. So I'm like, yes, do it. It's fucking awesome. I love moving on. Um, Yes. So for me, abandoned, you know, 17 years ago when I was you know 15 years old, this song was a skipper for me. When I was like 15, 16, it didn't have that emotional gut punch until like I listened to it a few years later when I was a little bit older and I was I was going through some personal shit. So this song kind of has like a personal connection for me. And um, still a skipper. Nope. <laughs> it's not it's still a skipper. Um, this song is um, I mean it's beautiful. Um, I, I really, really love this song. Um, especially the I mean that final chorus when it kicks in at 310. This is one of those songs that it's one of those things like you listen to it a bunch of times, and the first few times you hear it, you might be like, "Yeah, like that's it's a pretty song." Like Roy's a really great singer, but the more you hear it, I think it takes several listens, and then it eventually clicks. Um, and there's just like there's some lyrics in this, like when he says, "I'm your bewildered child," just hit just goosebumps every mm-hmm. time I hear it. It's just it's so good. It, it, it's a beautiful track. I think it's it's. I don't really have any fault with it for the type of song it is, especially that last minute, the final chorus of the song. It's just. And it's it's a beautiful song. I don't really have anything else to say about it. It's it's just it's a really really phenomenal song.
0: Yeah. And, and I concur. Like it's it's it is a very pretty song, taking it from like you know ten thousand foot view. Um, when I, when I took it when I look at it from that aspect, like it is a very pretty song, but it it just doesn't have that emotional impact on me just yet. Yeah, like I, I would need you know another hundred spins on it. Mm-hmm. And you know, be depressed down the bottle.
1: <laughs> yeah. Really hit me. Wait till they get to be my age, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: next year, fuck. <laughs> um, um, no, but yeah. it, it, I do. Like I said, I think at the end, like the chorus with you know the duet coming in, like I will say that's a very strong facet of um Camelot is they do they do the guest vocals that they do have. They're not just hidden within the mix and the blend; like they stand out. And yep. having Mari Youngblood on here, it definitely fits. Like it's it's great to have her back from, you know, from reading about Epic, Epica, the actual album. How much, duets they had. Like it's great to have. It's almost like going back to it's. Whereas Simone is the ghost of right
1: Helen. Uh, so Simone Simmons is uh is Marguerite, Marguerite. and then Mari the... Youngblood is Helena. Helena, excuse me. So. Mari is like, it's
0: almost like it's now she's gone. It's like, it's, you're speaking to the ghost of her, mm-hmm. right? So it, it it's like, when I look at it through that lens, it gives you a little more goosebumps feel to it, which I think is great. But like going into it, just like completely, you know, fresh and blind, like it just like, great. It's a slow ballad skip,
1: you know, that is so, it's so funny that to hear that given like your, your tendency to really like ballads, but I get it. It, it. It's a slow... It's a very but now, but, slow song. But I but I, but
0: I, just, I need the connection. Like, if yeah, I'm... Right. Like, I, right now in my life, like, I'm very happy. I've got a, you know, beautiful wife. I've got a beautiful child. You know, life is good. This is not so my I, beautiful house. Yeah, like, you know, <laughs> I... You know, struggle is... I am not wanting, so I'm not struggling. So, therefore, I'm not in the mindset to where it's like you know fuck the world and fuck this so I, i'm not like i'm not reaching for that connection through song to keep moving on you know yeah, yeah. so no, that's, and uh, in
1: terms of ballads this comes after the haunting so uh yeah yeah it's hard to hard to hit that i mean i think for me abandon is like out from into eternity like it's that kind of Feeling. Oh, but for you me. love I love out. out no, great. I do love out. I don't love no, what I'm saying he loves out. Adam loves out. He yeah, got to love it too. I, I was yeah. I was totally on your side for that that episode yeah. for sure.
0: Yes. Yeah. Um but, like, yeah. but you have to be, I think.
1: In a it's, mind state for it. It it connects with you lyrically or musically in one way or another. That might be personal compared to other people. So you, you might yeah. have an outside opinion. But
0: that but I think the bottom line, and let's just take a big step away from that is the great thing about music.
1: Is mm-hmm. that sure. the three of us,
0: right? we're all introduced to this album at different times and different periods in our life. And we have you have to take into the fact of what is your current emotional state and mental state while listening to the album for the first time. And that first listen is what impacts how you kind of like breathe and interpret that album. So again, I'm in a great, great state of mind. So like hearing a sad song like this, that is bringing back, you know, Or maybe reopening deep wounds from you two. You know, it's it's different. Like Mm. I just like it's a good song. Whereas you're just like, fuck, I'm still alive because of this song. Like it's yeah. You 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 totally agree with it. You have that gap in that bridge between the two of us. You know, we can say like I like the song, but we have different reasonings for liking it. Right. And some are just like it's a song on an album. Others like this saved my life. Like right. You have you have that dichotomy. And I think that that is what is so great about metal music, because you are able to experience such different experiences, you know?
1: And I think he said it quite uh, succinctly: where, you know, everyone has a different interpretation of this art form that is music. And when it boils down, like we're all technically right, but in the end, Adam, you're just always wrong. <laughs> fuck the soul of the podcast and here it
0: goes. <laughs> i was texting right. i was like god damn i could finally be on the on the right side and it's, i mean he, he and i can just bash up on you i was like no <laughs> no it's me chris and i just beating up on you again was like, <laughs> correct we'll see, we'll see.
1: Um, um here we go it's fair right. though all right so all right. let us uh proceed to the next track this pain story ariel has realized that the pain he's inflicted on others can't be undone and he has to move on with it and he can't do anything about it so he's sort of just embraced this pain that he's inflicted both on himself and others
0: so for this pain i think that this is kind of what i was expecting abandoned to be that mm-hmm. it starts off with that slow just acoustic guitar you know what it reminds me of and I wrote this down
1: <laughs> forever and always no no, no.
0: <laughs> Jesus it Christ. reminds me of the was it Gerudo's Fortress from Ocarina of Time
1: <laughs> oh like, Gerudo Valley or yeah the, yeah. Yeah, the Gerudo Valley I totally get like, it now yep
0: damn it like just that very intro it, that's what reminded me I was like okay. Mm-hmm. and that's actually what made me keep going back to it because I was like is there more like inside of it you know but I mean the overall, it's like it's, it's kind of like a just a weird, just like, uh, or I always say like you know the bob your head like that four four time signature like you just bob your head too like this has like a weird like jab to it like it's not a four four like it just it, it just makes you kind of go side to side like this is a different track like it kind of jabs you a lot in the song because it's a painful song in a sense you know right and like I think Roy Khan's vocals elicit that and then. When the chorus comes in, it's almost like he's taking like a big deep breath and like releasing the chorus, like he's like being stabbed, and it's like he's releasing this you know big vocal melody for the chorus. The I think the song structure is very similar to Soul Society, where it's like it where it begins and where it ends, it's totally different, but then it comes back right in, kind of ties you up with one last chorus. But I, I like the song a lot. I think it's a, a very very poignant track on the album. I, you know, is it my favorite? Yeah, maybe not so much, but do I skip it? So that's those are my thoughts. I think it's a fun song. Um, I think it builds up nicely, but it's, um, it's wanting, but I think it, it, it feeds what it needs to feed. Those are my thoughts.
1: Word that's cool. So there aren't. I would say there's probably not really any songs on this album I dislike. I like this entire album and every song on it. I will say this pain for me is probably personally one of the weaker songs on the album. For me, it's kind of a middling track. This if I were to if if I were to skip songs on this album, this would probably be one of them. But again, it's hard because it's still a it's a great song. It's just if I only have time to listen to a handful of songs on this album, this isn't going to be one of them. It's still a good song. I just like other songs on this album quite a bit more. So for me, it's 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 kind of a term we use a lot on this podcast. Kind of a middling track for me. That's all I'll say about about that one.
0: But do you, but do you skip it on a long car ride?
1: Well, that's what I was just saying. If if I were to only have a handful of songs on this album to listen to, this wouldn't be one of them. So I guess in that instance, yes, I would skip the song. You so say you would skip it on a short car ride. Yes. Hmm. Okay. Is a short ride uh, only the Black Halo? You could only listen to the Black <laughs> Halo, and you only have time for four songs. Then, yeah, I can, yeah, I can understand that. Not four. I mean, I should say eight or something like that. I don't know. Anyways, I, 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 yeah, I would skip. I would skip it. All right, Christopher, what do you think, buddy? Okay. Well, uh, so I have a lot of things to say about this, and I'm going to talk way too much. So no. first of all, do it. here we go. Too way too long. Don't do it. First of all. Uh, the pain, the lyrical content of it is about the pain he's inflicted on himself and others. It's a very heavy topic, but I feel like Roy Khan's delivery, even though his singing is amazing, isn't as emotionally poignant as it wasn't abandoned right before this one. And the only reason you get a little bit of that heavy hit on his vocals is because he's layered. Like, I think, there, I think there's two of them on that one, if I remember correctly. I think so. And it's, it just surprised me that he has all these emotionally charged. Uh, songs on this album and then when you get to the pain it's uh oh, here it is he kind of just sings it about this pain yeah. okay oh sure my mistake um now when it comes to the guitar work this is where i need to get a little bit technical and boring that billy would be the only one that, that likes this um
0: yeah billy the resident guitar player of yeah the
1: thomas's youngbloods playing has never super impressed me uh he but his songwriting Always blows me out of the water the way he puts all the pieces together. Um, my biggest qualm, technically, with Thomas Youngblood is his pick squeals. Uh, where it's if he the, the king of all pick squeals is Zach Wild in like No More Tears. If you Those play a little called, snippet of that,
0: they're actually called pinch harmonics.
1: Yes. As sure. As
0: a music teacher, I think you would understand it's, that. Term. I, it's
1: still squealy nonsense. And no, no.
0: pig squeals are <laughs> vocals. Pinch harmonics
1: are He said guitars. pick squeals, pick, not pig pick squeals. Pick squeals. Pick squeals. That's what I called them. But anyway, yeah, you're correct. Pinch harmonics. Let's get with the technical term. So the pinch harmonics that uh, meow, meow, meow. that Zach, yeah, that you've developed or demonstrated with your voice, uh, that Zach Wilde does, Zach Wilde and No More Tears has the perfect example of a great one. Uh, example of too many of them would be A Fire in Babylon by Shadows Fall. That's way too many pick squeals. But every time Thomas Youngblood does a pick squeal, it's a little limpy dicky. Like it just kind of like, like it just doesn't, it always bothered me. That's the only thing about Camelot that I'm like, every time I hear it, I'm like, ugh. Do it um, harder! Do it harder!
0: I'm a big fan of the, the limpy dick Terminology. yeah it's
1: like he, he, yeah but 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 uh, on the other guitaristically, side of things <laughs> oh, oh, guitaristically, guitaristically when it comes to the pain i would say kicker. the uh the pain's guitar solo is probably one of his most aggressive solos is it super impressive no it's 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 good uh but it's it, you can tell like it, it has emotion behind it as some of his other ones aren't as forefront so i'd say the guitar solo on the pain is or this pain, I should say, is uh, probably the most impressive feature of this song. Yeah, I also agree. I wrote filler next to it. Yeah, I love the, the guitar solo kind of like duet layering thing that happens towards the end of the solo. It sounds really cool. But yeah, I think that's a really that's a really good way of capturing that. And I think that's part of the reason why for lack of a better description, I don't like believe Roy Khan on this song. You know what I mean? Like, I don't feel that emotional charge right. hearing this song. Um, it doesn't have that gut punch that a lot of other songs in this album do. Yeah, so, that do. Yeah, that's yeah. why I think it's it's even more so. Like, I think if this were just like a, you know, if the rest of the album had this kind of feel to it and level of emotional charge, it would be, you know, it's it's a good song in and of itself. But when you go from, you know, haunting, abandoned, and then into this, you're like, oh man, like, are you you feeling better? Like feeling what's going right? on? Do you feel okay things now? Things seem to be like, going well. Yeah, we things changes. that. Yeah. So, <laughs> with that note, let's move into the moonlight.
3: system sympathy i get restless over the
1: So at this point, adventurers, Ariel is traveling across the lake towards Mephisto's castle, and he's reflecting upon everything that's happened during his travels so far before he confronts the fallen angel himself, Adam.
0: So after that introduction, I feel like I should raise my ranking on this just a little bit because that actually takes this song literally into a complete new interpretation. Blooming
1: onion Infect.
0: Cause I put this as fucking skip. Next. What? Rude light. I know again, like it's just, it's that's surprising. It just is a slow trudge through it. I think it, you know, it way that it comes off this pain and blends right into the ending of that, into the intro to this, but it just never just picks up. Like this is a very, it's a thematic song. And that you like, this is a, you know, a concept album song. Like it's not a single, it's not, you know, the haunting or soul society or when the lights are down. Like it's just like, it's the song is only good in relation to the other songs from the album where it's fit in the track listing. But the way Chris described it, it's was like, wow, I should listen to it again. Cause it's <laughs> what he described as it, like fucking awesome. But then I just listened to him. just like, no, nah, I'm still good. It's,
1: I'll go next so I can let Chris really unleash all his feelings. What I love about what you just said is it really cuts to the core of this podcast, right? In that you're always fucking wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. But in this instance, yes, you know, no, I'm just kidding. I think it's, 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 it's always fun to do this regardless of, this always happens on every album we do where somebody will say a song is either incredible or sucks and, Either the other person being me, or multiple of us will just be like, what the hell are you talking about? This is one of those times. Moonlight is a it's rubber stamp certified banger. banger. Moonlight is a phenomenal track. It has an awesome chorus. I love the like gallopy guitar intro. This is a fucking dope song. Um, mm-hmm. I think Moonlight is and that's why, you know, especially going from this pain to Moonlight. I need to show
0: me where I show me where there's a gallopy banger on this.
1: The beginning, the entire the guitar work in it. Diddle do, diddle do, diddle do, diddle
0: do, oh do, wow! Do. I can talk to myself. Like okay, next. Yeah, but it's what still cool.
1: Is... But anyways, my point is, when you go from this pain and you're kind of like, ah, oh, damn, like I think Roy, maybe he's feeling a little sleepy. Uh, maybe he isn't quite feeling as much. And then you jump back into Moonlight. Um, Moonlight certified banger. Is it my favorite on the album? No. Um, is it the you so know? No, it literally,
0: it... It literally jumps into a galpin banger. Back into soft emotional vocals, yeah, like,
1: but the vocals are damn good. In this I'm already
0: song. beat up from this pain. <laughs> I'm like, can you lift me up? And then you give me a quick one, two, like, here's a ga 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 and then back into some piss poor emotional weepy ass bitch ass Roy. I thought vocals. that
1: was your favorite part, Adam. Yeah, what happened? Friggin' forever I the and always. Of this. A true.
0: First off. Forever and Always is a different
1: type of song. Because this is a good one and that's a bad one.
0: Boom! <gasps> no, 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 because that song is upbeat. This one is not. Yeah. Um, anyways, but nonetheless, I, I, also, but let's let, start first off. Let, I'm tired of y'all comparing my shit to Forever and Always. It's a different type of song. Okay, Adam, I don't hate that song, actually. I know you don't, buddy. I don't. But it's like, but this song, you're, just you're like, both wrong. Just, I just don't like you. <laughs> That is getting Rude. so bad. Rude. I just, I'll
1: die it's like okay. It, it, there's going to be times where we disagree, and that I knew is... you we, know what's we've, funny? Already,
0: we've already dismissed the cynics, okay? Yep, asshole.
1: Um, this was one of the songs I had pinned as this is going to be one that we fight about. So yeah, that's totally that was fair. correct. It takes a little bit of growing on you to to get into. It was it wasn't a skipper for me. I always liked it. It's a great song. I, I, I Actually, big fan of Moonlight. Think about
0: Pass- it. Is- is not a skipper like it just it's it's an not intricate song there's multiple
1: lo- layers not going on all. the guitar work is cool the vocals are way more emotionally charged it's Agreed. a dope song dope song pass it to chris to continue okay. this onslaught yes. so i love moonlight i like the song a lot and i think the reason i do and I, I also understand why adam might not is i feel like this is where camelot sort of Bridges that gap between power metal and progressive metal. There's a lot of dynamics in this song where they go into these, like you mentioned, sort of more ballady, softer uh, periods where they feature the keyboard more. And I think it's kind of an interesting thing to include during this part where Ariel, our hero, is contemplating how he's going to deal with this, adversary once he crosses rivers so i think it's a lot of interperson like uh, introspective reflection and i think it res- it sort of shows that in the music does it stand alone i think it does because that chorus is so kick-ass so it has that hook as well as the bridge sections for music nerds like me that just really like those sort of intricate things and even even though in terms of this album it's pretty intricate it's not mind-blowing it's not like dream theater level musicality in terms of technique but it's this i think this track i i I think a lot of musicians would respect this track because it 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 does a really great job of just being a good a well-written song without necessarily being a uh virtuosic like wank fest of just crazy notes yeah I think it's fair. I think this is this is going to be the line in the sand. Yeah, this is a hard one to digest just, too. Yeah, I think Moonlight is a love it or hate it, and yep. two out of three of us love it. One of us hates it, and that that's just the way the cookie crumbled. This makes um, me very excited for our tu- or our our rankings. Oh yeah, there's gonna be some there's gonna be some divergence here. Uh, <gasps> the show. Well, that being said, why don't we hop on over to the title track of the album, The Black Halo. Let's talk about the black halo. So right before the track, the black halo, there is an interlude uh, called an assassinino molto silencio, which is Italian for the silent assassin. And it's one of my favorite interludes in this where our uh, Ar- uh, Ariel is getting off of the, the boat and uh, went across the river and is now going to confront Mephisto. And at that time, there is this like, I don't know if it's like a busker or some musician in a tavern, but she's singing this ballad and she's basically singing the plot to Faust in Italian. Like there's this guy going to go fight an angel right now. And it's happening like he's walking by them in the background towards this angel's castle and she's just recounting the play. So I think it's pretty cool. But That's if you so- don't know the story, you're like, what the fuck is this? That sounds I- about right. Yeah. I I also really love that interlude. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's 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 really cool. It makes me think of like something in d and I like it. All right, So, Chris, tell us the tale of the Black Halo. The Black Halo is the quintessential conflict between Ariel and Mephisto, where he goes to the fallen angels castles and says, you're an asshole. And then they fight. So the Black Halo, as is customary for the title track, is a giant, heavy, epic song they the emotional vocal delivery, I think, is great. It's kind of what I was missing from this pain uh, earlier in the album. A lot of the phrases musically in this song are very kind of Final Fantasy-esque, like it kind of has that sort of like, sym- uh, like there's a lot of uh, symphonic uh, textures that are reminiscent of earlier Camelot albums, especially. For, I feel like it's a callback to Epica in a way. I like it a lot. I think the solo is really good. To me, it's just a good power metal song. It doesn't really give me any more than that. Mm. Mm. Adam, thoughts on the Black Halo? I concur
0: 100% with Chris on this. It's, I was expecting more, mm. being that it is the title track, and also its placement within the album. Knowing that it's a concept album, and the Black Halo is definitely in the latter half, I was expecting more. Like it starts off, you know, pretty strong. Like it's, it's got a good, you know, oh, a little quick groove to it. And it just moves one and it's not, like nothing really changes to really just like snap your neck up. Like, oh shit, here's the rock. Like, here's the black halo, you know, but then it just rides along and the solo comes along and it's fine. I feel like the black halo just doesn't. It doesn't live up to, to me, it doesn't live up to the album title. Mm. Um, like, it's not the that strong standout album title track. Like, you could call it The Haunting. That'd be cool. I'd be like, oh, <laughs> boom. I'm <laughs> sold. Signed, sealed, delivered. Like, I'm buying The Haunting. But yeah, The Black Halo, like, it just, I get from lyrically and story point, like, it, why it's called that but it just doesn't do anything for me and it's just it's
1: is it because it's too much of the same it's too like in your face like um just that symphonic dark like it doesn't have a lot of changes to it or is it just yes it's, yeah yes bingo it doesn't it, have it, enough it's... dynamic range
0: yes there's, there's like no a song dynamic. On, like, moonlight yes. shut up <laughs> <laughs> no no but there, yeah there there are no new no, like dynamic changes like it's just like it it is it's power metal and the song is just the same for three minutes. Like nothing really yeah. changes outside of like a solo. And the solo is nice, like Chris mentioned, but doesn't do anything for me.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I, I agree with both of you guys. I think particularly given that it's the title track and that it's about, yeah, I know. Look at that. Like, we're back on the same page again. Yeah, I think this, I feel like the song needed a little more oomph given what it is and like where it is, like both in terms of where it is on the album, that it's a title track. Like this is the conflict of the story, this, that, and the other. I will say I really love the chorus on this song, though. I think it's that's really true. Cool. Yeah, it's the good. chorus is super cool. But to both of your points, it doesn't really ever exit or get uh, any cooler than that. Like, again, I love the chorus, but I feel like I'm just hearing the same like minute and a half, three times in a row, and then that's that. So overall, okay song, super awesome chorus, but there are stronger tracks for sure. And yeah. I kind of feel like like Adam was saying as the title track, Wanted a little bit more of a kick in the dick on this one. But the course is awesome. So it's still pretty good. Yeah. But there's And a- I got a flop on the peen, you know. Flop on the peen instead of a K mm-hmm. to the D. You know what I'm saying? Uh Don't. anyways, uh let's move on to Unlike Us After Shed Wine, nothing ever dies. <laughs> What's happening here? What is this? Nothing ever dies. Ah, well, at this point of the story. Actually, this is the one that really confuses me. And I think if you are more familiar with the drama of Faust, maybe it would make more sense. But it's that if you remember in Epica, the uh, Mephisto can only take Ariel's soul if he experiences a point of supreme happiness where he wants to live forever in this feeling. And he achieves that in nothing ever dies. and this is where I get confused, he basically figures out that nothing's in his control, and he just has to let that go, and he has no control over anything. And at that point, he just has that relief off his shoulders where he's like, oh, cool! Could have figured that out last album, but no! Um, And so it just seems, story-wise, strange to me that he feels it at this point, but this the whole song is him realizing this and experiencing that bliss of basically uh, understanding that Sometimes you has to let the control go. Yeah, I'll kick this one off. For me, like my note that I wrote was like, "Ah, that's a little more like it." This kind of is a little bit more of 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 the kick I wanted from Black Halo. So I think this this song's a little more fun. It's a little bit more upbeat. It has a little bit more going on. I think it's it's a solid offering on the album, and it's a good power metal song. It's not dethroning anything right now, um, but it's not a skipper. So overall, pretty good. Step up from what was happening in Black Halo, but you know. Kind of like what Adam was saying, and you know, I'll hint to this more as we kind of get into ranking. I haven't been gripped in a couple songs here, so this song is—it's pretty good. It's pretty good, is what I'll say.
0: The song gets me for about a minute and a half, and then it goes off the fucking rails, like just in the sense that it's—it's it's very much a, a concept song in that sense. Like coming off of Black Halo, it, it almost sounds like a like a sabaton riff, like just like a very just. Quick guitar picking song, like okay, nothing ever dies. Oh fuck yeah! And then it hits this this tight guitar riff, and hits the you know that double bass. I'm like okay, okay, you got me back. Like you you're getting me back, and he's pretty good. Like the vocals fit. And then about halfway through, it just comes to just like they put the brakes on. It gets to very orchestral, and I just. You lose me, like you had me, and then you it, like you wrote me back in, but then you lost me. Like I'm disappointed. You know, I do. I will say I think it's better than Black Halo because I think that the the solo is a little more like emotional and impactful to the song and where it sits within the tracks. But yeah, I'm just I'm just I'm disappointed for what they what they wrote me in. And what they left me with. So,
1: Chris? Uh, I'm agreeing with basically what you're both saying. I feel these two have been neck and neck on my ranking. Like they're so similar in a lot of ways, and they, they're right one after, one right after the other. It's funny how you mentioned the solo, because that's my decisive, that's the only thing between the two that I can really differentiate them in terms of my ranking. I do think I agree with you that the solo in nothing ever dies is more emotional, but I also feel like it's noodly. It kind of doesn't go anywhere. Uh, whereas the black halo ones, a lot more Thomas young bloody, like kind of thought out neoclassical kind of fits the music a little bit more. So I've been really struggling with those two, but I would agree that it's, it's a lot of power metal without much more to offer the, I kind of like the middle section of it. I feel like it's a breath of fresh air. And I really like his vocal delivery in the middle section. But again, there's better songs in the album. Yes, there are.
0: All right. Well, Ryan, let's do the next track, bud.
1: All right. Hold on to your britches. It's time for Memento Mori featuring Shigrath and Mari Youngblood.
3: Sacrifice
1: What is happening so this is the big climax to the story where mephisto is trying to take ariel's soul because that's the deal they made and then helena uh comes down on his behalf and is basically like nope god says he's cool and god bitch slap his mephisto to hell and ariel goes to heaven which seems like kind of a cop-out i mean they had this agreement it's been two (coughs) albums but nope so yeah, it, everyone lives happily ever after. He's redeemed uh, on Helena's behalf, and Mephisto is sent to hell, and Ariel goes to heaven during Memento Mori.
0: I think that for this album, and this is where I I definitely pick up on some Nightwish vibes in terms of like their the the long epic songs. I mean, this is obviously the longest on the track. It's eight minutes and fifty four seconds. You know, a nine minute song. This is. The end of the story, you know. We we get into Serenade. We get after the. I mean, I feel like Midnight, Twelve Tolls for the new day, and Serenade. It's almost like a coda, you know. I'd uh, agree. Right to the to the story. Like this is the final. This is Act Three in one song. Um. So I, I feel like it, this has the build up of story. Like this is the poet and the pendulum. This is you know song for the day. This is Highlander, the one by Lost or Rise. like this. Everything fits like this. This track here is power metal. If the song if the it's almost like Rush, like, oh, you know, Rush has like three songs on the new album. <laughs> but the song is 20 minutes long. It's like, oh, well, you know, it's got four different sections to it, but it's still just one song. Whereas nowadays, the power metal, it's like there's, there's no, you know, parts to it. It's just one song. Kohee does this kind of shit too, but they release it in sections. But Momentum Mori is—it's the nine-minute finale to the story of Faust, right? Yeah. From the bit that I've read about, you know, the play overall, and trying how and trying to piece together where this goes into the story, but also reading into Epica with this, and I think it's a good—it's a very good ending. It's a very good fit to the story overall it, you know it starts off i mean very classic like it's a very slow drawn out you know soft-spoken vocal and it's like again the black halo you get some of that shit nothing uh, nothing ever dies and it's like i mean after moonlight and this is like i'm tired of epic of camelot at this point like you guys are gobbling over this bullshit. Like, I can't do it anymore. Like, there's so much slow fucking songs. Like, I just want... This is not power metal. Power metal is fast blistering in your fucking face. But then I look back, I'm like, oh, nine-minute epic, right? And then it delivers. Like, three minutes later, it gets into, like, a good guitar-driven song. Six minutes later, you're into the fucking solo. Of it all, like, I just, you know, it's it, it's hard to rank and rate a nine-minute epic versus <laughs> a three-minute single, right? Because whereas, you know, The Haunting or When the Lights Are Down, it's straight fucking forward in your face. Whereas this, it's, you, you don't just jump in. It's like, oh, what's your favorite song? Oh, mine's Memento Mori. It's nine minutes long. Like, no one does that. No one's jumping into Dark Passion Play by Night Witch and saying, oh, The Poet and Pendulum, that 13-minute epic, that's my favorite song.
1: Do you like that song?
0: Uh, that's actually my favorite song of that album. It's a good song. But, <laughs> but, it's, but it's five parts, and it's right. five distinct parts, and you have to like the band yes. to understand why they're doing that. Whereas this, like, you have to understand Camelot. You have to like Camelot to understand why they're doing this. And I think that is a very key factor into why the song is also you know ranked in Spotify with the number of plays like it's it's a long song. Like yep. no one's got the time to waste nine minutes on one song. But I, I will say that front to back on it, it's solid. It's got it's it's a very slow build up, but it fits. It works well. I think his vocals are well. I like the the fact that you hear both guest vocalists um with Shagrath and uh Mar Youngblood and it it's a very fitting end to the album with them. Um I just I would love to hear more from all three, but I understand that that's not the, how the story goes. Uh but it's just you know it's it's a fun end. And and I kinda wish it ended here.
1: Um yeah. I mean, it's I'll I'll hop in. Yeah. I mean, it's like a nine minute power metal epic. It's an incredible song. It's incredibly, you know, uh, well-written. It's complex. There's a lot going on. If I have the time to like digest this song, it's really, really great. The difficulty I have with this, this song is unless I'm like dedicating the time to like listen to the album and like immerse myself in it, this is not going to be a song that I'm just going to pick up and play when I'm, you know, out and about kind of thing. So it's, it's an incredible track. I think it's I I agree with Adam. I, I'll i talk to this in a little bit, but I kind of feel like this is where the album should end. But I really, really like Memento Mori. It's a beautiful song. It's really, really great. But it's an undertaking to listen to it. I mean, you need to sit down, buckle up and listen. So if that's what you're trying to do and you have time for it, it's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But is this a song that I'm going to like, you know, throw on to a playlist and, and listen to regularly? Probably not.
0: And yeah, Going to food line, not so much. You know, yeah. Short going to Merle Beach. Oh, give me some. Definitely give me ninety minutes of just wasting the car ride. Absolutely,
1: it's a good one. It's it's a again, and that's that's what's hard. And I think Adam really nailed it when you have to rank a song like this. That's pretty differentiated from every other song on the album. I mean, this is like the epic conclusion. But so I, I kind of have like a few asterisks next to it on my ranking just because it's hard to say um, where this something would rank. When everything um, else
0: is yeah. like three to four minutes and this is nine, like it's yeah,
1: just... for sure. So, so
0: how do I rank one song against three? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's essentially three different songs.
1: Yep, for sure. So um, okay. yeah, it's great. Back Chris, to what do you think, bud? Excellent song. So funny enough, I have been thinking about Memento Mori for a little while, and it wasn't until right now that I realized it was nine minutes long. It's never felt that long to me. I've never felt like it was a trudge. So I looking at the time, i like, holy shit. Um, I do like, as you mentioned, Adam, that uh, they bring Shagrath and uh, Mary Youngblood back. It would have been kind of cool to have Simone Simmons back, too, but that's a lot of singers on one track. The There's a part near the end where they're all kind of singing together, and I think in maybe different languages. Um, but there's it's really cool to hear each character's... If you read the lyrics uh, in the liner notes, um, it's pretty cool to hear all sides of the story. My biggest problem with Memento Mori is the guitar riff to me sounds a lot like the Mortal Kombat riff, especially around 240? I just oh, can't not one- hear Mortal Kombat.
0: That one second
1: it it, it comes back multiple Get times. Get out of here. That one For second, so- dude. There's always something that irks me, and that's the <laughs> one thing is is just too there's a lot of that. It's it's cool, it's it's epic. But I again, I have trouble um, ranking Memento Mori with Nothing Ever Dies and Black Halo. Like Those three together um, are kind of it, their own, almost like their own little story. It's like they're almost like you mentioned, Adam, the, the act three of the play. And Orion, you're totally right. That's technically where the story ends. That is, in some ways, the end of the album. Well, Camelot thought differently because there's another <laughs> song. So that in bastard. mind, Serenade. about the conclusion to the album the actual conclusion serenade with interlude three midnight 12 tolls for a new day ding don't tell don't do you it 12 11 times. more ding. <laughs> <laughs> I going to get some shed wine oh. ding <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right Chris go ahead bud
1: all right, so uh, the interlude, 12 Dang, tolls for a, it. god damn it, for a new day, uh, is, an, from what I understand, because I haven't read Faust, although the more I talk about this fucking album, the more I want to read it. Um, in Faust, there is this, point where, oh, it was a New Year celebration. This was a play put on for the masses to entertain them. And this interlude is just showing everyone's like celebrating the New Year on this cold winter night where they just put on the play of Faust and the actors are taking their bows and everyone's sort of celebrating. Word. And then what's that and Serenade is just and serenade is it's it is it's the actors of the play just saying how you know the art imitates life and and you know you, what you're going on with your life might you might connect a part to this play uh and it's just sort of showing that it was a celebration it, it was a um it was all a it's kind of like a play within a play because we're also listening to this album of people putting on this play and so it's kind of a weird like juxtaposition of what's real and what's not
0: i mean i'll, I'll go i just I had high hopes for Serenade, it, it, it all fall flat. It falls flat for me. I think it, it just so it feels so out of place. And every time I listen to it, like it's because it because you have the interlude, it's a further separation. I mean, I feel like with the first and the second interludes, it's fifty seven seconds and forty seconds, whereas this one's a minute and twenty. It just further takes you away from the story, whereas Memento Mori ends the story. And this, it, it it's a coda, and it's like it it's is just, a coda, and I, and it's it's not good. Like I just, and I'll say like you know if it wasn't you know if it wasn't on a Camelot album, but it was on somebody else's album, it'd be great. I don't understand the reason, and maybe because I'm not a Camelot fan, you know. Again, I'll preface that, that I, am a, this is a first reaction to me, and maybe someone loves it, and great for them, but. For me, it's like this one just doesn't it feels out of place. It feels like they would be a lot better off just ending the album with that last interlude and doing like a vocal, you know, outro. You know, just a speaking vocal and just like with, you know, it ends with twelve tolls of the bell. Album over. But then but they have to come in with another vocal, instrument like actual instrumental track.
1: Um, <clears throat> I'll just hop in real quick I don't have a ton on this one I, I definitely agree Um, I think this is a placement issue for me I think as a song in and of itself it's like the song is okay like it's a pretty okay song but I was happy with the way the album kind of naturally ends this feels like a bonus track is probably the best way I would put it which like irks me because I, I, I agree I think that the, the natural ending should have been Memento Mori with maybe yeah like a 12 tolls or something after that to kind of end it. So for me it's just like I feel like it had a cool ending and then we're like in the credits and it's like a happy like go lucky song again. So I don't know why this song uh, the song has always kind of irked me actually. Um so I'm trying to separate that feeling from like my you know just to like subjectively look at the song by itself but I have trouble like separating that. So overall it's 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 a pretty okay song but yeah, I just I don't I don't like it as an ender. And I think there's other songs that are similar that are a lot better. So overall, eh, is probably how I would describe it. Chris. Okay, well, I disagree. <laughs> I gonna mm-hmm. talk for a little while. Um, I really like Serenade, mm-hmm. but I agree with what you're saying of how it's the end. I-, I feel like, okay, Memento Mori is a better ender of the Black Halo as an album, but I think Serenade is a great ending of this two-album epic like double disc in my, like when I listen to the whole thing, it ends everything in a great curtain call. Um, the chorus is excellent. It brings in elements from older Camelot music. Like it it sounds like an, uh, an older Camelot song in a way uh, it, it harks back to a lot of the epica and karma days. Um, I, I really like Roy Khan's like falsettos that he adds to this. It kind of has like a playfulness to it. Like it's the, like they just put on a show. They're just having fun. Like you mentioned, like a credit roll almost. I really like the the uh, interlude at the end, too, because there's this point where you hear somebody walking through like snow or something. I hear these, these footsteps and he's walking away from the crowd. And in my mind, he's probably walking to like a, a grave or something because he says Happy New Year in whispered tones to something that doesn't respond. And I always think like, is it like, is it Ariel saying that to Helena? Or is it like to somebody who? you know, and is saying happy new year to a lost loved one. And then it pops into this serenade. And I just, I think it's super epic, a great way to end it. But I also understand why you wouldn't think it was a good ending to the album. The only thing I don't like about it is the way it fucking ends. It just stops. It reminds me of pull me under by dream theater. Yeah. Like where it just stops. The song stops. And I was wondering why, if you Apparently on the Japanese only release, for some reason, there's a there's another track called Epilogue, and it's about this guy kind of talking, kind of like reflecting things that Helena said about how like it's a new year and, you know, I miss you, that kind of thing. It's it's a very soft song and you can find it on YouTube. But I'm like, that would have been a much better ending. Why the fuck does? it? And and as soon as Serenade stops, it's like March of Mephisto again. I'm like, God damn it. Maybe that's another reason that this song always irked me. Like maybe that—that's something I—I I forgot about it. Just it just abruptly ends. It does. So maybe that's maybe that's so, fine.
0: So I think that if you were to put this on a single disc, I think that the album should end with Momentum Mori. I'd agree. If you put Epica and the Black Halo as a double disc feature, you add Serenade.
1: Like I feel that's like that's how I kind of took it.
0: In terms of like where it is, because I think we all like Momentum Mori. But Sernate, it just, it doesn't, like, it fits, but it doesn't. Like, it's just a weird, it's like the weird
1: step cousin. <laughs> it like, does sound out of place. It sounds more epica than It's like, It's like,
0: yes, it it's does. It, it sounds more like, epic. You want a banger, blackout. but it's like, it's my step cousin. It's like, is that real? Is that Oh, banger,
1: not banger. <laughs> a bang <her> banger, banger.
0: <laughs> yes, a banger, her, 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 her. Well, all right. Well, that has been. Camelot's The Black Halo. So, uh, Ryan, I'm going to steal it back from you. Thank you to you and Chris for handling the microphone duties for me this evening. So, what a fun album. Uh, Like I said, it's definitely a a good power metal album. For sure, Camelot is definitely I think one of the, you know, founders of power metal in the sense of like, when you think of power metal, you think Camelot. I think we should definitely give them the respect that they are due. But because of that, let us... Give them a swift kick in the dick and rank, rank this puppy, rank this puppy. So ready for
1: the next three hours of arguments,
0: oh, <laughs> uh, there's no arguing here, buddy. So <laughs> it's only arguing here. <laughs> well, Chris, as we always do, we always let our guests go first on the ranking train. So okay. what is your number 11? Because okay, skipping, as, of course, all the
1: interludes. Yes. Yep. So we, Just one so through 11 be or 11 through one. one. My number 11 is This Pain. Could have seen that. Could have seen it coming.
0: All right. And Orion, your
1: number 11. My number 11 is Serenade. And I will preface by saying there are no track deletions, <laughs> deletions yeah. There's no bad songs. <laughs> There's no deletion tracks for me. This is purely a ranking of songs I like. I like all of them. Well,
0: Metal the Oasis journeyman out there, the Orion and Adam train continues to link up. My yes. number 11 is also Serenade. Ooh. Uh, again, this is strictly just because I just feel it's so out of place and just a cellar dweller of an, a song. And the fact that it, it just doesn't fit for me. Nonetheless, Chris, your
1: number 10, bud. Oh boy, let's get this decisive or divisive train going. With my number ten is Soul Society. Oh, you dumb bitch! It's uh, fine. That's fine. It's fine. Uh, I'm just hold kidding. on. We'll get to hold it. on.
0: Your number ten is, is Soul, Soul Society.
1: Wait till you hear where Serenade is, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so it begins. Uh, my number ten is this pain. Wow, and. Adam, <laughs> and so I'm glad that we agreed at the beginning, and that's it. No more agreeing for any of us. Yeah, that's wow. Um, my number <laughs> now again,
0: just as Orion had stated during the Apex review, first time listen through, kind of thing. My number ten is Moonlight, which okay. I know you, I know you two love that song, but it just doesn't Does, it doesn't, doesn't do it ever, for you.
1: It's so it. funny how this you know how this it works is. out. It you know it's of also this,
0: because of where this pain falls for you too
1: yeah, Goodness. oh, I know what's gonna happen you know it's funny because like Adam, when you guys did the apex um rankings, mine and yours were very similar but but I also got Ora, orion's from a like a you know what what is it like Just first few times listening yeah, to it was it. my first th- for this re- so, for that review yeah. that was my first time ever listening to that album yeah, yeah. understandable
0: so so again th- that is why this pain falls where it does, but also this is where my number 10 is Moonlight. Like, it's just you two. just I'm not, I'm not all over it, but it doesn't do it for me. So I'm just I not it.
1: yet. <laughs> all right. Give um, it 20 years. All right. So give it, give <laughs> it 17 years and then you'll understand.
0: <laughs> all right, Chris, number nine for you, buddy.
1: My number nine. And these this one was hard because a lot of them are really close. But my number nine is Nothing Ever Dies. <laughs> Guess what? My number nine, Nothing Ever Dies.
0: Interesting.
1: My number nine is Abandoned. Mm. Mm. That's understandable, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I actually thought that was going to be your 11.
0: So, I mean, so, so far, right. You know, Serenade, Moonlight and Abandoned, all slower tracks. And then pretty much from there, it kind of just kicks up a little bit. So for you, Chris, your number eight.
1: My number eight, and again, really close to my number nine is Memento Mori. Oh, interesting. Look at Adam's fury. My <laughs> He's like, no- I've never met someone so wrong. <laughs> my number eight is and these are all close, especially seven eight nine. Number eight is the black halo. Oh okay. Adam Adam looked happy. I see a little bit of agreement. Look happy clapping. <laughs>
0: My number eight is also the Black Halo. Aye. Yes, a. It nice. just you know it's it it falls to number eight because I feel like there are so many other solid tracks, and I'm disappointed that your title track is not as strong. It's not stronger than a single, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, yeah,
0: but yeah. But nonetheless, is still great. But yeah, I
1: agree. So, I mean, they're all great songs. I like it's, That's why it was so hard to rank these. Yeah. I'll rank them all as great. Yeah, they're all, I mean, again, can't say enough. I like every song on this album. Yeah. It's just a matter of which ones do I like more. And the only one that sticks out for me is Serenade just because of how it ties into Black Halo. But I think listening to Epica and Black Halo back to back, it makes a little more sense.
0: Well, I think for me, it's like this album is definitely a, it's a split down the middle. It's a 50-50 I like the tracks and I don't like the tracks or it's like, or I think they are wanting. um, And it's almost literally front to back in terms of the split
1: in order. Yeah, I can see that.
0: So, all right. So in that sense, Chris, what is your number seven?
1: My number seven and my number seven and eight have flip flopped a lot. My number seven actually is the black halo. And it was the solo that, that, made it i like the solo i feel like the black halo solo and the way the music it comes together is more co- more coherent in black halo than it is in memento mori all right all right my number seven is memento mori yeah again hard to rank an epic song um am i gonna you know it's, it's number seven for a reason it's a little bit lower on my list of songs i'd go back and listen to again oh. um Hard to digest, but a phenomenal Mm -hmm. track. But yeah, number seven, Memento Mori.
0: My number seven is Nothing Ever Dies. And then it really just, it takes that spot just because of the intro. Yeah, We have those three
1: that are all very close.
0: Yeah, I mean, 799, and then Black Holes, 887. You know, I I, I mean, I like, I mean, (laughs) Nothing Ever Dies is like, you know, the best of the worst of this bottom half of the album. like it just That's the third
1: it. part of Faust, by the way. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm not saying that.
0: <laughs> no, but it's just a the guitar in the beginning is what it gets me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's where it's like, I like it. It's fun. But then the back half kills me, but I still think that that first half is what saves it. So nonetheless, Chris, you're number six.
1: My number six and this was a tough one is March of Mephisto. Oh,
0: it oh, is. Yes. Guess what?
1: Yep. Guess what? My number six, six March of Mephisto. No way. Do we have possibly ladies a hat trick? Ladies and
0: gentlemen. Is it a hat trick? Grab your crucifixes, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus fucking Christ, because my number six is also March of Mephisto. Oh. Six, six, six. Let's fucking go. Holy <laughs> shit.
1: That's actually awesome. <laughs> that was pretty kind of surprising in a way.
0: Oh, fuck. That is but also destined
1: awful. to be 666, March of Mephisto. So it's like the lead awesome. off track. Yeah.
0: Middle of the fucking
1: road. I Funny mean- trivia is um, they wanted to get someone to be Mephisto in his demonic form. So they're like, let's get Shagrath from uh from Dimovorgier. Hey, uh Roy Khan, why don't you call him? He's like, I don't want to. He's fucking scary. <laughs> <laughs> is <That's-> scary. Yeah. <laughs> You, yeah, you should um you should watch the music video for March of Mephisto. It is Adam, it's really awesome. cool. It's it's cool. I mean, it's very mid two thousands, but it's cool. It's really. I'm, really I'm cool. actually
0: very more surprised by the fact that we all put this at six. Yeah, yeah me too. That's fucking that's, awesome. That, that's, that's pretty. Cool. Here here is where
1: everything falls apart, though, guys. We we found our common ground, and then now it just goes to shit. Yeah. After we've 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 yeah, wow. The music video for March of Mephisto is very low quality it is it is um, is
0: it worse than a uh, severe the, emotional distress oh it's, it's probably on cars close.
1: probably on par yeah the haunting music video is pretty cool it's 240p that's yeah. also that's it's severe pretty rough emotional I, distress. I, I have it Why on i have much... it on dvd <laughs> so it's probably a much higher <laughs> it's
0: quality. It, it's at 360p like yeah it is oh flip.
1: 480 i think let's let's give it a little credit No, you,
0: you have 360 it's like that weird middle
1: Oh, oh yeah. Run? I did have to put it in like 16 by 10 for because it's a weird European disc. Anyway, let's move on. Oh, right. Sorry. I was listening right. to Martian Bifisto again. All right. So I have number
0: six, Martian Bafisto. Chris, you're number five, buddy. My number five
1: is Abandoned. Hmm. And I think it's just one of those one songs that sort of resonates with me so that it won't sure. be on most people's lists. But for me, I just really enjoyed it. I,
0: I totally understand that. Orion for you princess my number 5 is
1: when the lights are down is my number 5 <clears throat> well my number 5 was chris's cellar dweller
0: this pain pain you know i just uh, it, it's more heavier track so yeah you like what
1: you like totally get it yep. all right for you buddy number 4 or back to 4 already? or what was your 5 i'm sorry i got this pain uh, uh, was his five this yeah okay
0: uh, was uh when the lights are down when the, the lights are the down five,
1: that's right okay got pain. it got yes. it all right so i had a lot of trouble with these last two they were neck and neck but i am putting my number four as serenade mm. our cellar dweller mm-hmm. or outside the cellar yep. doors yep. Um, kicked out of the clubhouse well again your context matters a lot when we're doing this type of yes. thing and yes, so for indeed. you yes, like indeed. you have the full story so it's like you're watching the like post credit scene of a marvel movie and you're like this is <laughs> awesome and we're like
0: my man is watching the Neverending
1: story three over here." <laughs> jack black is that you um my number four is moonlight is my yeah. number four uh yeah what oh my god number four is moonlight <laughs> you think it was gonna be higher no,
0: I just I'm looking at like our. You forgot about goes. it already. <laughs> well no, also because Chris hasn't even put Moonlight on yet. I'm like, ooh. No, get ready. Yep. All right. My number four, Momentum Mori. Okay. I just understandable. I think for me it's as the close that is the closeout. It's a nine minute epic. And it's, you know, just I say this all the time. Like with Trivium, with Shogun and Caustic. Oh, yeah. You have those songs that encompass everything about the band in one song, this song does that for, I think, Camelot in terms of their orchestration, their vocals, their music, and story. So I think it's, you know, it's, it's, it, 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 it belongs to be up there. So number four for me, Momentum, Maury. I put you, Chris, number three for you, buddy.
1: My number three is Moonlight. Close. We're close. Okay. My number three is... It's it's so hard for me because two and three are literally tied. So I'm going to go with... Abandoned is my number three. I'm okay. going to go with abandoned for three. Again, they're, I literally have two and three split, and I have both of them right next to each other. Uh, so num- number three is abandoned.
0: Right, my number three, when the lights are down, I think from... I literally I think my top three are just as I may have (coughs) mentioned several times in this, that front half of the album just are quote unquote dick kickers. Mm. So when the lights are down, number three,
1: Chris, you're number two. My number two is the haunting parentheses somewhere in time. (laughs) Wait, you said three was haunting for you. No, sorry. My number two is the haunting parentheses somewhere in time. Right. Okay, we're on number two now. My number two is Soul Society. Is my you s- son of two. a bitch number two Soul Society? <laughs> Woo, banger! Number two Soul Society. It's still good. I still like it. I'm just, ugh. it's so good. It is good.
0: Oh Ryan, I just want you to know, buddy, that we have Serenade at eleven. <laughs> the Black Halo at eight, March of Mephisto at six, and Soul Society at number two. Oh, buddy. I love Soul Society. I love that song. So that puts Chris at number one with The Lights Are Down.
1: That is absolutely correct. That's fair. It, it is an amazing song. It kind of takes everything that Camelot has to offer and just whips it out on the table. And I think it's I, the musicality in, in general is just amazing on that song. It is a great song, but Which
0: that then puts us Orion with number one and two. The haunting somewhere in time at number one, baby.
1: Yep. Woo! Yep. Fuck. That good. Yes, I mean that... We have
0: <sighs> literally one, two, three. We have five songs ranked.
1: That the is the same. same. That's pretty wild. That's, that's pretty wild. You know, I was awful. also really close to having the haunting as number one because I do love that song, but I didn't because the thing that makes that song so good, she's not really a member of the band. Doesn't change how good the song and, is, man. And, and neither is you
0: know the singer from Year. And neither that's is true. the fucking Mary Youngblood. Not wrong. But it's, but.
1: It's a masterpiece. The song's a masterpiece. And oh, when the so lights good. are down, it's also a phenomenal song. But I think for me, it has it suffers from the overplay. Kind of like making yeah, the demon fair. for me. But Soul Society always makes me I don't know why. Soul Society just has a special place in my heart. I always like that one. But I mean, like I said, at the beginning of this epic journey that we've been on, the haunting is, in my opinion, it's a masterpiece. Oh, it's great. It's that's, so good. It's it's it's, it's an incredible I... song.
0: I will forever always show someone, say,
1: do you want to listen
0: to Camelot? Listen to this song. It's not over the top, you know, like Dragon Force-esque power metal. Like, this is, I I think, classic power metal. It is a a slower, just groove-driven, just very epic, full-bodied, full-diaphragm vocals. And you got a duet between male and female that light and dark, that heavy and soft type vocal. And I think I listened to that song at least six times today.
1: <laughs> it's 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 a it's pretty I nuts. I
0: just i <laughs> dude, you gotta watch a music video. There's a music video? Yeah. Yeah. What? Yes. Two weeks, you <laughs> know, my goddamn and I was talking about this in the bullet. I episode. have
1: it at Glorious 480p, sir. Yeah. <laughs> actually there's an about... okay uh, quality version of it
0: oh no so I was trying to go through all the music videos during other episode. oh it's
1: remastered you um, know so I want to
0: go through the videos the ones that were released I was 10, like, and I didn't 80 think P. about one for this oh, album because you know, I think last episode was just Trigger and um, Cloud Connector they did music videos for it but nonetheless, I didn't even think about a music video for this album at all And mm-hmm. it's my favorite song yeah. In the video, oh, that's awesome. But Chris, the fact you put this number two, you're an idiot. Um,
1: fair enough. <laughs> Jesus, say that constructive criticism, you <laughs> son of a bitch. Well, it was number are- one. It was
0: who does number two work for? <laughs> who does
1: number two work for? <laughs> um, um- <laughs> when the lights are down is also an awesome track. And I think for me, it, it has that replay fatigue where I've just listened to it. Well, I can't even say that. Cause I'm listening to the haunting a billion times. Yeah. It's I a, I it's think fucking... it's for me, it's, it's the guitar part. Like it's the musician mm-hmm. parts that, and the keyboard parts, the back and forth that really yep. gets me. Yeah. Uh, but I understand that some music is just for, you know, people that, you know, just for musicians, it's not necessarily great to listen to. I don't know. Yeah. I love it. Can't yeah, get enough I mean, of that here's one. Here's the thing. Like I said at the beginning, there are no tracks on this song that I dislike. They're right. just songs I like better than others. And Correct. I will say, like Adam mentioned earlier, especially like the first half of this album, the first four songs of this album are so damn good. I mean, honestly, for me, it's if I had to split the album in half and like, yeah, you're if right. I listen, it's... if I listen one through six, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. That's fair. So and And Soul Society does hit really well after The Haunting, like for yeah. sure. I just maybe, maybe I just have listening fatigue on that one. I don't know, but yeah, anyways, we're all right except for yeah. Adam. Well, yep, As, although Adam and I, there's a lot of parallels, you have a lot already. of yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, this is I'm looking at it right now, so
1: this might be our closest so far.
0: Th- this we're close to it. So, I was actually <laughs> coming upstairs tonight, I was like, I really, I am, I was really hoping, and and Chris ruined it for me, that's why I exclaimed. In despair, when he said the haunting was his number, number two. two, because I so was so pretty damn high. I was really hoping, I was like, I really hope that we have all three of us the haunting number one. Because I know when I texted you, Orion, the very first time, let's do it, I just like texted you a bunch of hearts about it, and you giggled like a little schoolgirl. You're like, I was like, I knew, I was like, I bet you he'd love this song too. Mm-hmm. I was really hoping that, like, it's such a catchy song. I was like, I, I feel like Chris, you know, he and I have a very similar. Experience with you know this type of music, I was like, I bet you he likes that song too. He does. It's a how second awesome. favorite. I love that I like, song. It's a second awesome. favorite on how an awesome album. Also, would it be it's loves. like if we have the first time in the Metal Oasis podcast history all duplicate number ones. Oh, well, you can just I edit would it argue lie for me.
2: And, <laughs> I <and> would argue,
0: <laughs> and Chris fucking ruined it with I'm a one one two.
1: Well, thank here's you what for I'll say. having me on your podcast so I could ruin it for you for this episode. No, I because here's what I'll say. <laughs> I think it's even better that we all have the same number six, which is on 666 six for March of Mephisto. I think that's even better. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that,
0: that was actually probably that surprised me more than more anything. More exciting than anything. Yes, yes sir. Yes. So, yeah. All right. So let us uh, I forgot <laughs> I Forgot to do this last week with Shoals. All right. So, Chris, your final ranking of the Black Halo is as follows, excluding all interludes. Number 11, This Pain, Soul Society, Nothing Ever Dies, Memento Mori, The Black Halo, March of Mephisto, Abandoned, Serenade, Moonlight, The Haunting, Somewhere in Time, and When the Lights Are Down. Orion, your track listings are as follows, Serenade, This Pain... Nothing Ever Dies, The Black Halo, Memento Mori, March of Mephisto, When the Lights Are Down, Moonlight, Abandoned, Soul Society, and The Haunting Somewhere in Time. Mm -hmm. And yours truly, with the correct (coughs) track ranking, is Serenade, Moonlight, Abandoned, The Black Halo, Nothing Ever Dies, Holding in the number six spot yet again, March of Mephisto, This Pain, Memento Mori, When the Lights Are Down, Soul Society, and the best track on the album, The Haunting, Somewhere in Time, featuring the lead singer Epica, Simone Simmons or Simons, whatever she wants to go by. So what a great, great fun album this has been you know for power metal enthusiasts as both of you had said this is definitely a timeless classic for those like myself who are you know hesitant about the daunting task about getting into power metal jump right in like this was definitely an easy one to get into I mean the front half definitely sucks you in and spits you out um, and it makes you want to keep going back in again But you've got to take the time to listen to that back half because it is still good. It is still a good back half. So, final thoughts about the Black Halo by Camelot. Chris, what are your thoughts, buddy?
1: Uh, I think you got a lot of the points I was going to mention. It's just, it's a timeless album. It's very solid. It, I feel the songwriting is so well done on this album that metal fans of multiple genres would appreciate it. Some people that are super power metal fans might say, ah, it's not really a power metal album, but it's still great. And some people that are more into progressive metal might be like, that's ah, not really a progressive album, but I like it. Like I feel like it, it coasts the line of a lot of sub genres. Uh, and it's, it's not, it's technicality that makes it so good. It's, it's execution lineup and delivery that makes this album so solid mm-hmm. yeah i mean just to echo that i think this is a very approachable album regardless hey all right of...
0: what are your thoughts about <laughs> this album?
1: <laughs> <laughs> what i was gonna say you dumb bitch you got you so good i'm gonna lock you in my shed um with what i was wine. gonna say with the wine um, is that I think this is a very approachable album regardless of like your musical background like what kind of music you like I think that there is something if not at least a song that regardless of like your musical journey there's something you would like on this um, because it's it's a master class um, I think this is a phenomenal album I think it's I agree with Chris it's timeless I mean, this thing's 17 years old and I like it just as much now as I did 17 years ago um, so yeah it's it's an excellent album front to back top to bottom would you say it front to back slaps it front to back slaps? I would say the front slap slaps a little harder than the back slap, but the whole slap happens the whole mm. time. I think the back half has a good windup for that slap, though. It just takes a little while to wait for it. It does. Like the first one is just slapping you across the face a whole bunch of times. You're like, oh, Jesus. And mm. the back half, it's like a long wind up. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a molly <laughs> It's 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 good, though. It's it's a it's not good. It's great. It's it's a it's a. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a great uh,
0: album i think you know taking a step back you know opposed to you two that again this has been something in your repertoire for at least 15 to 20 years now maybe in a first time listener it definitely gives you the feel that i mean this band is all over the place they have a wide range a very wide range where they can you know hone in on what's a radio single and hone in on, you know, the fans. Cause I think that, you know, so many bands nowadays, it's like, Oh, well you sold out, you know, you, you went for the radio single and then you change your sound. And you never went back. Whereas it's like, well, we can do both. Like we can give you a nine minute Epic, but we can also put on a four minute banger and rope in new fans who may then love that nine that nine minute epic, you know? So th- this was definitely, I'm, I'm very happy that this was an album that Orion selected for us to review for his mental journey, because, you know, as I said previously, it's was like, it just Camelot is such a, a very massive band. And this is a very monumental undertaking to try and get into them. So you've got to take it a, a piece at a time and a bite at a time. and, when you're looking at, you know, one of their, I'm assuming, one of their more classic and more well-known albums, what a a great place to start. And then I can backtrack and go back to Epica, and I can backtrack and go back through the Roy Khan catalog, as you two have most, you know, graciously stated as the best part about Camelot. Yeah. Uh, But we can also then venture forward with their current vocalist, who may sound like him, but also... And they also put out just as good as songs, you know. So th- that's the the best part about this podcast is that we can do that. We can share what we love, what we experience, and also be exposed to, you know, the current trends and the current bands. So, yeah. You know, so, so I'm definitely I'm very thankful for you, Orion, for showing this to me. It's definitely a band that I've wanted to get into, and I was just scared to get into because I'm a little baby back bitch at times. So thank you for that, buddy. You're uh, welcome. Again, thank you, Chris, again for joining us for the episode. It's awesome to you know if it if it wasn't for you, I'm sure Ryan would probably still be listening to Backstreet Boys.
1: Mm. Um, on I I you know I listened to them a little bit later in my discography, yeah. but um, we'll do a Backstreet Boys review one day. Your favorite band?
0: All right, just Millennial. We'll get Scholz one because that was the first CD he bought. Um. <laughs> in that sense again thank you chris for coming on for this this is awesome buddy thanks for having so, me uh we will move on to our last segment of the episode of uh, the this is music and i want to give a little preface about this so the this is music segment of our podcast is meant to showcase you know newer bands or lesser known bands that you know you may not have heard of you know someone asked me it was like what's the point of that point of your podcast you just you know orion's spouting off about 30 seconds to Mars. I don't understand. Um, Why are you talking about this? The whole point was, you know, spurring from the Stranger Things character, Eddie. You know, he was an Iron Maiden metalhead and kids back those days, like Iron Maiden sucks. You're a freak. And he's saying, this is music. You know, you should listen to it. It's great. And that's what I want to do is I want to share with people that may not know a band may not know that this is actually music that you could listen to. So we just want to share things that may not get the light of day that they sh- are, are due. So this is music.
2: Ryan, we can't find anything. Seriously, what is
4: all this shit? I mean, what are you even looking for? Madonna, Blondie, Bowie, Beatles, music. We need
2: music. This is music.
0: Orion, what do you have for us this week, my guy?
1: This week is a band that I alluded to. Briefly, I think in a couple of episodes, I'm just going to go ahead and throw the name out there. Um Alien Weaponry. No, not this time Uh today and rest in power. The lead singer uh, Power Trip, the album Manifest Decimation. If you are a thrash metal fan. Awesome, awesome band. The tragic that they, you know, had that they had to end when they did due to the, the tragic death of the lead singer. But man, I mean. Talk about like a resurgence and just a fucking killer thrash metal band. Um, I got to see them open for Lamb of God a few years ago, and they were they were really awesome. So I was really bummed to hear what happened. Um, but yeah, Power Trip, and particularly for me at least, the album Manifest, Decimation. Big fan of that. Definitely worth checking out. All right. Chris, what you got for us, buddy? I have two for you. Whoa. I Watch double out features 1. Yes.
0: Blah, 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 blah,
1: one is related to Camelot, the Black Halo that we just listened to. And the other one is specifically for Adam. So we're going to start with the Black Halo one. Uh, if you're a fan of this sort of uh, dramatic, uh, episodic type of um, storytelling involved in the music, definitely check out uh, Arjen Lucanson, A-R-J-E-N-L-U-C-A-N. S.S.E.N. He is the he's a he's a Dutch musician and he's the the forefront of two bands, Star One and Arian, which is hard to say, Um, but that does feature Simone Simmons, Floor Jensen from Nightwish and a lot of other singers. He gets all these singers from other bands and has them play characters in these like space operas that he writes. It's a lot of cool stuff to, to check out Star One, especially. Um, that's the first. The second, which, as soon as I saw the music video for this, I immediately pictured Adam. And I'm like, Adam, yeah. he started a, another band. And that band is Trollfest. troll Trollfest. No, troll Fest. <coughs> Specifically, Fuck you. Spe- you know where this is going. Specifically, no. the song, Dance Like a Pink Flamingo. Holy shit, it is him. <sighs> It's kind of a good song, to be honest, but the music video really sold it for me. Trollfest, dance like a pink flamingo. Holy (laughs) mother of God.
0: I'm I'm searching. Hold (laughs) please, Trollfest. It's the second fucking thing that pops up. God damn it.
1: Nope.
0: I'm not a fan.
1: I... (laughs) Dude, I didn't know you had your own band. Take on the walk, a walk on the wildlife side, Adam. Everybody hit the, the dancing floor, get your freak on and dance like a pink flamingo. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right. Well, which one do I remind you of there, Chris? Like all, all of them. <laughs> especially the lead singer, I think. Oh, man. That is too good. Well, with that in mind, Wait, Adam, did you have a "This Is Music"? I don't even know. I was distracted by the pink flamingos.
0: Anyway, my "This Is Music" uh, con- contribution this week is by a shredder. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we had Orion with Andrew Vivaldi, and about a year ago, once you know, my wife was. Deep in the thoroughs of pregnancy, I was just, you know, scrolling through the old YouTubes and I came across a song called Stop Saying We Sound Like Dragon Force. (laughs) And back in high school, about, you know, that's right, almost 20 fucking years ago, I was a huge Dragon Force fan. With their old singer ZP threat. So I love that I, I love that era of Dragon Force. And I've tried following them with a the new singer. And I mean the band has definitely just evolved and changed. It's not what it used to be.
1: Nonetheless. It's a great song, actually. I am listening. Yeah, I'm checking is, it out. Um, it's really good.
0: All right. So the what what I want to feature for my this is me segment is um the shredder, his name is Frazier Edwards. Yep, the album is called The Architect, and it's pretty much a, you know a shred fest. But he has a vocalist. He's got you know a band. It's pretty much it, it's excellent, excellent power metal. I, I thought so. Um, you know the single. You know, stop saying we sound like Dragon Horse is I think a spoof on you know the whole genre in a sense. But it's still a fucking great song. Yeah. Hell yeah.
1: Well, well,
0: so on that, I do just want to go do a little recap. You know, again, thank you again to everybody listening to our podcast. We have a great episode here with Chris and Ryan. Please continue to follow us on all our social media. We do have just Facebook, you know, the Metal Oasis Facebook page, along with Twitter at the Metal Oasis. I try to post as much as I can. Being a busy, busy man, uh, the best way to get in contact with us is themetaloasis at gmail.com. Again, that's my email address, themetaloasis at gmail.com. I just would love to hear your feedback on the episodes too, especially on this kind of episode. Me being a new comer to the world of Camelot, tell me how fucking wrong I am and shit on the haunting. <laughs> that's fine. And then you're shitting on a Ryan. That's a two for one whammy for everybody. So that's great. But we'd love just to hear your feedback on the episodes thus far and just what you're getting away from our feedback because this is the whole point, is I just want to share my metal journey and see what impact that has on you as well. So please write us if you can. If you don't mind, I'd love to hear your feedback. We are here every every week trying to share this with you and continue the metal journey. So please write us and share us feedback by on Twitter and on Facebook. Uh, We are trying to expand to other social media networks. However, it is a massive undertaking. And quite frankly, I don't want to do it. I just like to (laughs) stick with the good old stuff. So nonetheless, Orion, what do we have on the docket next week? We have had thus far seven. Album reviews down this metal journey thus far, expanding and exploring on our musical tastes thus far. So, what do we have next week?
1: Well, <clears throat> next week we're gonna need to throw in on our comfy pants because we're gonna have a fucking undertaking as we are going to have a drafting of sorts, wherein. We are going to duke it out and battle to determine what our dream Metallica set list would be across the entire goddamn Metallica discography. So that's going to be a doozy. I'm already figuring out how to best lay out all the beverages necessary to make it through what will surely be a massive undertaking. But uh, I think this is going to be this is going to be a blast and one hell of a difficult journey to take. But I'm excited to do it. Are you allowed to choose Dire's Eve? It's my only song. <laughs> I'm only playing Dire's <laughs> Eve 12 song 12 On times repeat. in a row. So you figured it out. Spoiler.
0: <clears throat> yeah. So next week, we are gonna take a little chill break. You know, I wanted to the whole point of the podcast of the Metal Oasis is to explore and go down the journey of Orion and I's mental journey into metal right but we need to take a little breather we've done a lot of these uh, review episodes and I just want to take a step back and just actually enjoy the metal that we're listening to and I think you know Shoals actually brought it up last week during our Inflames episode about Metallica and it kind of just spurred the idea so I think next week is going to be a ton of fucking fun and I'm definitely excited for it so please stay tuned for next week because it definitely is going to be a dick kicker and a shit show oh yeah
4: yeah
2: yeah
0: awesome (laughs) all right well on that note again please follow us on facebook and on twitter and send us those emails chris thank you again sir for stopping in and sharing all your thoughts about camelot here on the black halo and also being our resident Dungeon Master. So now we have not only our resident Shredder, Billy Badass Blanton, our resident drummer, Aaron Scholes, and now our resident D&D Dungeon Master, Mr.
1: Chris. We're just going to ignore the fact that Chris can play guitar also. (laughs) I
0: gave that up long ago with my soul (laughs) for the magic powers that I've had. He's also wearing a wizard's hat and is twirling his
1: mustache only a wizard hat nothing else and the the nipple rings have appeared again and i'm getting uncomfortable so i think i'll take this opportunity yep. to bow out say goodnight yep. you so, fucking weirdos all joking aside thanks you guys for having me i really have enjoyed discussing metal with you guys i enjoy your podcast very much and keep it up
0: awesome thank you chris we definitely will have you on back on for a later episode but on that note oh ryan i will catch you on the flip side all right
1: And...